So, Mike, how you been? It's been a while since I've seen you. Yeah, I think it's nice. been like four or five years. Yeah. I follow you all the time on Facebook. Same here with you. So, what you lived in Memphis your whole life, right? Yes. What What do you want changed in Memphis? Sorry, what do you want changed in Memphis? You know, I, I think that there's a outside of Memphis, especially there's a a big you know perception that Memphis is this you know, bad place, negative place. And, you know, there's crime in every city, mm-hmm. you know, and the bigger that Nashville's gotten, you know, and Nashville's overtaken Memphis in population now that there's more crime there. I, you know, we, you probably have friends that live there too. And I have a lot of friends and they said, there's a ton of crime here now, but there's so many more positive things about Memphis than negative things. And like I was on the way here, I was driving, I drove past international paper, you know, the worldwide headquarters are here we have auto zone here. We have obviously Federal Express here, and there's so many great things here. And who, 30 years ago, who would have thought we would have had an NBA basketball team? Mm-hmm. I mean, True. we all thought there's no way we're ever going to have any kind of professional franchise. And then all of a sudden, I remember it just popped up one day. I didn't even know they were pursuing it. Well, remember, like, when you would drive anywhere, this was like, what, 20 years ago or something like that, or 22 years ago. And like, they were like, bring NBA to, I forget the, like the slogan, but like, it was like so catchy and like all these people were for it. And then next thing you know, boom, we, we got, they decided to bring the Vancouver Grizzlies to Memphis. And then, you know, we still use Vancouver right. for the first, like what year or so or something like that. That's right. Yeah. Cause it was like a contract with the team up there from when it was there or something I forgot like that. about that. That's right. Yeah. And then like. Because you remember, we still had the Vancouver, like the Grizzly Vancouver, like, yep. you know, so like and the logo, and the colors, and the, yeah. yeah. And then I remember I was working at Fat Tuesdays in Peabody Place when they finally, um, I guess they hired like a company, I don't know what it's called, but like they redid the rebranded the, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies and they made and became Memphis Grizzlies. And then the teal color came in, and then, you know, like they changed, made the grizzly look mean, like, you know, not like right. brown, as, as less brown like it was, I think, something like that. And then, like, now it's like a badass looking grizzly, right? Like, it is. So that's, I think that like, kind of represents what the city is. Like, we're just badass. Yeah. And, you know, the grit and grind mentality, you know, was great. I remember the 2015 playoffs, uh, took my niece for her birthday to go see, uh, I think it was game three against Golden State. And uh, I think it was the second round and that's Tony Allen got hurt. And when he went down, I mean, we were winning and then he went down. Yeah. He was the one that was guarding Steph Curry or, or Clay Thompson. And then they just blew us out. But it was just, it was fun back then, the grit and grind, but this is just different now. I think that as, as much as Memphis was behind the Mark, the Mike, you know, the, the Zebo, I think there's even more people now. I mean, you know, I, I think the expectations now are that we really have a shot at winning a, a title in the next few years if we can keep the core together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Gaston was saying when he was on you, because I asked him, I was like, what do you think? Do you think we have an opportunity to maybe win a title? Maybe not, if not this year, like within the next four or five years? And he was kind of like, absolutely. I think, you know, if, like you just said, if they keep the core five, you know, then we definitely have an opportunity. Now, now, you know, we could keep the core five together and everyone keeps on getting hurt, you know? Sure. But look how well they played without Jar. I think they were twenty two and no twenty four and two or something like that without him or something something like that. It was you a know? good record. Yeah, yeah, it was like insane. Yeah. Like, and that's the star player. Yeah, and so to show the very team oriented, I think the addition of Stephen Adams was big this year. You know, with his presence in the middle, his rebounding ability, his 
mean toughness. You know, I mean, remember when him and Zebo got into it several years ago, and they almost got into it like on the court big time, and everybody hated him. It's just like the um, Mario Chalmers. You know, everybody in Memphis hated Mario Chalmers for hitting that shot in April 2008. You know, we should have fouled him, should have fouled him, and then he hits the shot, and then that was it. And then he comes here and plays for the Grizzlies. It just shows how Memphis embraces people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and at first there were some boos, but then he did well, and everybody forgot it. And yeah. he was, you know, they wanted him, and then they wanted to resign him. And so, uh, you know, I just think Memphis embraces you know, but it has to be a winner. Yeah. You know, it has to be a winner. You have to be winning. If the team is losing, not that no one will watch them or no one will go to the game, but it's just not the same feeling, obviously. Well, you know, it's like Tiger football. You know, now, like the people I work with, they're young. You know, they're like 22. I think the youngest, I think like the oldest guy on the sales team, is, it might be me. And like, you know, some of the managers are older than me, but like, they all know Tiger football from like the past four or five years where we were always winning. And so I was like, you guys have no idea what the nineties. Oh like, remember that was like, was like two and 10 and you know, it was, it was horrible. horrible. I mean, you couldn't give, you couldn't give, you couldn't get somebody to go. You could give them a hundred dollars and they'll say, no thanks. I got, I'd rather sit at home and watch the game or something. Right. Yeah. And just think of how, and it's what they always say. If you put the money into the product, you could, it will blossom. Right. Yep. Um, my parents had season tickets for years to both basketball and football, but then football, they had like 40 yard line seats. So they had really good tickets. And I remember I just didn't have much interest in going to the games, you know, because right. They weren't winning and everything, but then the, um, D'Angelo Williams, Mm -hmm. Stephen Goskowski, um, you know, and, and Tommy West, even though when he left, you know, he was pissed and the way it ended, but he, you know, he made some valid points about you have to put money into the programs for it to work. And I mean, now we see what they're doing with, you know, Liberty stadiums. We're to say it that way, not Liberty bowl, but that looks phenomenal. Yeah. hundred. They said between 120 million to $150 million re- renovation, which I think it's just going to be f- badass. And then, you know, they say by the, by kickoff 2025, which is not that far away. No. I mean, we're in 22. Kickoff 22 is, what, four, three months down the road? Yeah. August? Yeah. Uh, we're 100, like, right at 100 <laughs> yeah. days away. And then yeah. in three more years, we're going to have a, this big, badass thing. Like, Yeah, I saw, I, I went online and looked at that whole thing. I was like, this is, I mean, this is what we need. And I think that, you know, I know a lot of people wanted to do the campus stadium, but it wouldn't have been as big. And why do that? Also, we don't have much room left on the our campus. Like I, I don't know the last time you've been there, but it's I drive, I drive past there every now and then just to see what what they're building now. You know, and like you know, they're on Southern where they where they we used to all park our car, then walk across the rail tracks to go yeah. to like English Building and stuff like that. Yes, there's apartments there. University, or, or, I think they're university apartments, but they might actually be like dorms on the rail right there. So yeah, wow. so here's the rail track. It's literally right here on that side, and then you have. So the parking lot went from like the big parking lot. It's like a one third the size now. And so they built that. They they redid Zach. Uh, what's the tower called? Zach Curlin Tower or something like that, right? They redid that. Every time I drive by, they're doing something. So they're definitely putting the money into the school. And now they just built the Tiger football team that uh, in uh, the indoor facility. And now they're going to do this. 
So Tommy West, I mean, he, he's probably reading this and he's probably like, man, look, they finally listened to me. They yep. finally, finally putting the money into the program. And they're finally getting the recruits and they're mm-hmm. finally winning and they're getting, you know, yeah, we, we've lost, you know, two coaches between Fuente and Norvell, but you know, you know, Fuente and sometimes going, the grass isn't always greener, you know, as great of a coach as he was. And he was really the one. I remember I had some guys coming in to buy mattresses from me in 2012 that were like so high on him. They're like, he's, he's awesome. And he did great here. Um, but, you know, go to Virginia Tech and you're competing against the big boys. It's sometimes not as easy. That's Big Ten, right? Uh, I think that's a- ACC. ACC, okay. Yeah. It's that, like it was like you just said, you're, we're in like a mid-conference. Like, you know, that we're not in the SEC. We're not in the Big 12. We're not, you know, uh Pac-10 or whatever, because, you know, obviously we're too far from Pac-10, sure. but, like, we're the in-between of where you come. So you you become, like, you're probably, like, assistant somewhere, and then, hey, the Memphis position's open. Would you like to have it? Sure. You build your team, you kick ass, then you go to the next one. But if you don't, if you can't bring that same energy you had at Memphis into, like, a program that's already historic, like Virginia Tech, you're, see, that's why I think the coaches fuck up. I think year they should stay and build the st- build Memphis into the historic program you want it to be. Right. Because then you can, everyone knows you. you you're the Memphis coach. It like, it's like, um, oh, God. Why is it? Tiger coach. Cal Perry. No. Uh, Larry He's, French. Oh, Larry. Yeah. You know, he built the program, and then Cal Perry came in, like, what, two decades later, or a decade later, and then, you know, took it to the next level. Right. But, like, if Novell would have stayed, instead of going to Florida State... Yeah, Florida State. Think about how much, how bigger the program would be and how much more money he would be making. Yeah, I get it. You know, the, the stepping stones for the sure. next program, right? And just like how Calipari left Memphis to go to Kentucky because it's like that's the dream job for every coach in that coaches basketball in the world, probably. Right. But I think, like, if you just stay and then you yield, the money will come with all the success your team is having. And then you can be, oh, yeah. You're the one that built all this. You know, it's funny you say that because, like, I, I, I personally think I finally am over the Calipari thing. It took me <laughs> 13 and a half years to finally say, you know what, I, I'm not mad anymore. Uh, and it, part of it was the fact of if we had won the title in 08 yeah. and then he left in 09, we wouldn't have been as mad. We'd been like, we got a title with the guy. You know, and you can't blame the guy for going to Kentucky to take his dream job. Gary Parrish said it best. He said there was no way for him to leave and it be a good situation. Mm. You know, there was no way. Well, remember when we found out that he was leaving? Like, there was, like, helicopters flying. It was, like, the news was, like, yep. what the fuck is going Like, everyone was, like, what is going on? Crying what is going? for him to yeah, stay. Yeah, yeah. It was just, like, insane, man. But because, like, you know, we we didn't see that kind of success except for the early 80s or early 90s, you know? Or, yeah, early Mid-80s 80s and early 90s. Yeah. Right, exactly. And then, like, and then he comes along. You know, he does average, average, average from UMass, this average, 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 like another stepping stone. And then boom, all of a sudden, Tigers are playing the national championship, what, six years later or seven years later or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I think he came in 2001 and in 08, we played for the title, right? Yeah. So. And, you know, it's just like, boom. And then next thing you know, we he's gone. I and, mean, I think what made it even worse I mean, the guy took like the secretaries and stuff with him, and he took the number one recruiting class in the nation with Wall and Demarcus Cousins <laughs> yeah. and and uh, Eric Bledsoe, those guys, and 
Because we, I, I'm, you know, I kept up with that. You would go online and it said ESPN top one, and you see Memphis number one. Then all of a sudden, two days later, Kentucky number one. I'm like, yeah. And I personally think that if he had stayed and st- continued to do the one and done, which he started, I believe, in 05 with um, Darius Washington and that that group. Darius Washington Jr. Yeah. yeah. When he missed those, that free, three, yeah, the three, free throws. Oh, man. But that's, that's when it all started there that Memphis would have won more titles, not overall than Kentucky, but then what he's won at, at Kentucky, because he's only won one title in, in 13 years, and that was with Anthony Davis. Yeah. And there's probably 15 coaches that would have won the title with Anthony Davis. He was just one of the best college basketball players ever. Uh, but in Memphis, he would, just like you said, he was, I mean, I know he's king in Lexington, but he was really king here. I mean, I mean he owned the city. I mean, think about it, like, you know, you're like, oh, here comes Calipari, y'all. Let's make a table for him. Oh, well, you know, we really can't. Okay, we will. Just give it a second. Tell me wait like five minutes. We'll figure something out. Right. Or you're in Memphis. Here comes, here comes Coach K. I mean, here comes Coach Calipari. All of a sudden, they're moving tables while people are eating their food. Right. right? Like, exactly. That's a good example. I, I, I think, like, it. I don't know, like, maybe I think too small. Like, But if you stay in a smaller town like we are, or I mean, we're not a small town, but, like, you know, and you build whatever you want to build, the people will support you more than because once you start losing in these big towns, you're out. Oh, yeah. They had fire Calipari on Twitter trending after they lost <laughs> yeah. in the first round of St. Peter's. And, you know, and and he's going to have a great team next year because uh, um, that, that the player of the year, Oscar something, uh, stayed, you know, because now that they're paying these guys to stay. The, the NIL, NIL deals. Yeah. yeah NIL. Those, are, those are huge. Right. And, they're, and they're, so they're, it's worth it for them to stay an extra year. So they'll be great next year. And, you know, I'm sure they'll contend for the title because he's always going to recruit well. But I, I just think that he would have probably won a couple titles here because you go to Kentucky and you have Adolph Rupp, Joby Hall, Tubby Smith, and Patino that have all won titles. So you're the fifth guy that's won a title there. Everybody else has won titles, and most of them, you know, besides Tubby, I think won more than one. Yeah. And you're there, and now you're early 60s, and and you've won one title. And the expectations with all those amazing players that he's had, yeah, people say, yeah, but there's been all these Sweet 16s and Final Fours. I'm like, every great coach would have gone that far with those players. I mean, it's hard to lose. You know, you know you're going to get to the round of 64, and then you all you have to do is just win two games if you're a high seed. You're not going to play super tough people. Mm, yeah. So I think the NIL deal came at the right time for college. All call Well, you know, we we pretty much know basketball and football and like sure. some lacrosse and stuff like that, right? But like in golf, some golf, softball. I think if they didn't compromise and give this to the players, to the players would say, "Fuck y'all, we're just going to go. We're going to sit out." We're not going to risk ourselves getting injured because, you know, I always probably talk about that because think about like Maurice Claret, perfect example, back oh, yeah. in uh, 2004 yeah. or something like that. He came, he finally got came back, got hurt in the national championship game against uh, the Hurricanes. And then he was just like, he was never the same. No, he was never the same because when he got drafted, he got drafted lower because of his knee issue. And it just, you know, it didn't, it didn't click. And he only got, I think his insurance policy on himself was only like, I say only, but like, you got to think he's a young guy. A million dollars isn't going to last you forever, right? Especially, you know, like how long did that last him? But like, it was never the same. And that's the thing that I think some of these players were like, you know, well, you know, talking to the high school coaches, like, do you think I should just sit and go play overseas and then come back to go pro? Because 
if I get hurt, and if I get hurt bad enough, I might I might not ever be able to play. Right. And that's why a lot of these guys now are sitting out bowl games and stuff like mm-hmm. that. that just, Which is kind of like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. But you got to look at it as a bigger picture. Why is he sitting? Coach, put him in. Coach, put him in. Now, national championship game, they're playing, right? Because right. they want they want that ring just like everybody else. And because then they're going to be like, hey, I'm the first Super Bowl champ, national championship, you know, uh, Heisman Trophy winner or whatever. And like, they want the big, th- you know, everybody wants that. Like, now, now you're playing for like, the Tulane Bowl and you're the star, you drafted guaranteed first round, you're not going to play that. Right. You're going to be like, Coach, what do you think? Son, your future is more important than this one win for us. Why don't you go and sit out? You know, like we, we understand. That's exactly right. And if a coach says differently, I think the coach is between selfish because he wants the dub, right? And he wants the little piece of hardware to put in his office or whatever it is. Yeah, but at that time, it's when it did not become about the game; it became about you all of a sudden. Yeah, because these guys have the whole rest of their life—fifty yeah. years or more. Yeah, because you know, you you're the coach. You're the coach for them. You're supposed to guide them, not them guide them to whatever you want, right? So, right. Like, I don't know. So, you're launching a podcast. I am. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, in about uh, two to three weeks, um, it's going to be called "Think Big" with Michael Zellner. Yep. Your hat. My you hat. Be, you've been saying that for a long for a time. Long time, long time. Man. Long since, been... Yeah, since the 90s. Uh, had it on and off on my license plate and stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Um, first guest is going to be Andre Turner, the little general. And um, I can't wait to get started. So what made you decide you want to go into podcasting? Um, more as, you know, I, I've thought about it for, I guess it's been about a year. Um, but I decided that. Once I, you know, got my weight off and everything at the end of March, I I said, this is the, I put myself in a position now to quote, do good stuff, be successful, share stories, share positive stories in the community, you know, bringing sports people on radio people on business people on, you know, and to, you know, hopefully each person will have a good message. You know, that people can grasp something from it. And um, I just thought it would be something fun to do. You know, I've never been shy. I have no problem, obviously, talking. Um, And I just thought it would be something really cool to do. So what what made you, like, I mean, just decide to do the podcast? Like, you know, I know you've been talking about it and stuff like that. If Tony never started this, I would not, we would not be doing this. Because I never even thought about, I didn't even know how to, what a, I knew what a podcast was, obviously, sure. because of Joe Rogan, right? Right. But like, I would have even thought of like, "Hey, that's Tony. Would you like to? Would you like to uh, start a podcast with me?" You'd be like, "Fuck off, man. No, <laughs> I, no, you know." But like, I don't know. Like, part of it, it. Part yeah, of it was watching Joe Rogan, you know, because you know, I didn't follow him, you know, a lot. And then when he, obviously he started getting talked about a lot, and I started really following him and everything, and watching other podcasts. And then listening to some podcasts, you know, obviously some are audio and some are video. And I thought, I I think I could do that. And I just thought that, um, you know, the timing would be good. And and I thought that talking to people, you know, I made a lot of contacts. You know, we you know, we all know a lot of people in Memphis, Mm -hmm. but I made a lot of contacts, especially over the last 25 years between the bar and the uh, mattress and furniture business, you know, I had two different ones in the last, you know, 20 years or so. And I just thought that, you know, might as well um, bring some of those people on that I met over the years, 
and talk about their life in Memphis and things that they've done. And, you know, whether it's, like I said, sports or, or business and stuff that they could, you know, be aspirational to some people. I think that we all need aspiration and motivation. You know, we, we share messages on Facebook. Um, we want people obviously to like them, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, we having people when I was going through, you know, my journey and everything over the last year or so having people respond, you know, not that it's the most important thing because you obviously need to do it for yourself first. Right. But it does help and it does motivate, you know, when people are, you know, positively responding and saying, Hey, way to go. Keep up the good work. And plus I think it also holds you accountable. Um, Absolutely. You know, you know, you, you put yourself out there and like I said, um, that's not easy to do. Um, you know, Fake Facebook is called fake book a lot for a reason, because we know and, and I'm sure we've all done it, too, that not everything you read and everything you see is the actual truth. Um, but I just thought it would be, you know, now's the time in my life, you know, going through a, a lot the last four and a half years, um, you know, almost dying of you know two pulmonary embolisms in my lungs Um and lucky if I hadn't gone into the doctor that day, I, I, they said I wouldn't have made it. And um, and then, you know, having to close my business down um, and stuff that, you know, it, it took a lot, you know, of inner inner thinking and a lot of reaching down deep inside to be able to make changes. Change is hard. So last March, 2021 is when you started your journey. So March 29th, right? Or I know it was the end of March 29th. 29th. When you woke up that day, what, what was like, you know, like what made you decide? Like for me, it was like, Tony was like, man, you know, you, you took some weight off. You know, I know you're happier when, you know, when you're active and doing shit. I know this, you know, get back, get started, man. Just come on, do it. And so that, you know, I was like, okay, you know, and I, I should have done it for myself, but you know, for having a friend like him, that's why I, you know, that's why I started again because of him on Sunday, you know, we were talking all about it on Sunday and like, so what made you just decide like, Hey, this is, this is, this is it again. Sorry. Um, I sleep on my left side and I was facing, I have a scale right next to my bed and I had to get about, I guess it was about nine years ago, a special scale. Because most of them, I guess, go to about 350. Mm-hmm. And I got one, I had to get one that, you know, I had to pay a good amount, one that for 550. It was like that was the next level up. And I sat there and was looking at it when I woke up. And I knew I had not been on the scale since July of 2020. And the last time I was on the scale, I was around 330. And I knew in that period of time of 10 months that I had eaten crappy and I had not exercised. And I just said to myself, I, I bet you're over 400 pounds again. And this would, you know, would have been the third time in 10 years. And so I just said, you know, get on the scale, just do it. You know, you're not going to be happy either way, but just do it. And it, it was 403 pounds. And I, like I said, I literally said, F it, I'm done. I, t- I remember to just turn around, my dogs just they're laying on my bed and I said it to them, you know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just said, I'm done. And um, that, Next that day or the next day, I started you know training with uh, Larry Wollins LT. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to him twice a week uh, for about thirty minutes. But the one thing that he um, said, if you're going to train with me, you have to drink a gallon of water every day for thirty days. 
He goes, if not, I'm not going to train you. And I got in the habit of doing it. And I drank a gallon of water every day for a year. Um, and it, anyway, I know that's sort of off what you asked me, but it it just, it was such a, you know, and, and as you know, when you, when you're heavy, you know, you have a hard time moving, yeah. you have a hard time breathing, uh, add in the fact that you have asthma and then blood pressure and cholesterol and all these different issues. And I said, I, I'm a walking heart attack. You know, it's going to happen. And, and I just said, I have to do something now. Yeah. Because like, I remember seeing that and then I started seeing more and more of your posts, <clears throat> whether you were doing, you know, walking or, you know, you were talking about your water. I remember that, but like, I don't know what it is about the water, but like, it does make you feel better. You know, like ever since I started drinking my water again, like normally, yeah, like I do feel better from that. And Maybe less, that's also the, I'm eating better too, you sure. know, but I think like the water is like a maybe it plays a mo- trick on your mind or something. Like I don't know, fuller. It, that that's uh, for sure, yeah. absolutely. And you know, and um, I have less inflammation. You know, drinking more water, not drinking any sugary drinks. You know, and um, you know, I had gone on Weight Watchers several times. I always lose weight, but the problem, as you probably know, is that once you get off a diet, you sort of don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't know how you're supposed to eat. So you kind of like got to where you wanted to be and like, oh, here I am. Look at me. And then this, this, I'm, this me. So I know. Exactly. And like, you know, that was happening the most recent time, you know, and I started on, on Monday again. Like, you know, I got down to two, 199. I stepped on that scale on Sunday, I think 244. And, you know, I was like, Tony was like, all right, well, you know, you you thought you were like two something, two twenty something, right? That's what you keep on telling me. I was like, maybe two thirty something, maybe. He's like, well, obviously, both are wrong, right? right. He didn't say it like that, but you know, he was like, okay, so this is it. Like, you know, do what you gotta do, and then tomorrow you need. To start. He, was, he told me to start that day, but I was like, no, I want to eat some shit. I want to eat some more shit, you know. And so then, comfort food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and then um, I mean, I've been feeling great ever since. Yeah, and it's easy. Look, it's easy to fall. Like I said, I've yo-yoed. You know, first it was two to two fifty, and then you go two fifty to three, and and it's it's gone up over the years. And I mean, my dad was larger, but he was five eight and a half. So when he was two ninety seven, he was big, and I remember him being that size, and he was big, but he never got near. You know, I'm a lot taller than that, but he never got near where I was. And it's easy to fall off. Like I, I got COVID um, about a month ago, and. I wasn't able to exercise for a few weeks and I gained 10 pounds, you know, just, I wasn't eating horrible. I wasn't eating the way I was before, but it was just easy just to gain 10 pounds back just from not putting in those couple hours average a day on, you know, the bike. Yeah. It's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like, I think we probably have the same body type, you know, I think we endo more or whatever, one of the morphs, right. All everyone's one of the three, right. Where for us, we gain weight really fast, like in the blink of your eye, you up 20 pounds, like, fuck, sure. like, what the fuck? And, you know, but if you start doing it right again, you know, you'll start losing it, losing it, you know, and then you'll be back to where you want her to be or whatever. But like, I put on weight quick, man. Me too. Because when I, when I'm off, like when, I, when I'm not doing any kind of workout or anything like that, it's. I mean, I'm having candy bars in my gas stations, you know, they're giving me food, you know, they give me soda, you know, like whatever that. Whatever I want, like, hey, you. And I never ask because, you know, we're not supposed to ask for stuff, sure. right? But, like, I've become so 
good with, you know, close with these accounts. They're like, Hey, you, want, you know, we're making fresh food. You want something, you know, or we change the oil, you know, if you want something like now I'm like, no, I'm back on my diet guys. Like, oh, okay, cool. And you know, they, none of them ask me because good. they understand, you know, like what it takes. Yeah. It sounds like you, we are the same because you either eat really well and work out or you eat crappy and don't work out. It's one of the two. There's yeah. like no in between. So like everyone we've had on the podcast has done either like he's a trainer or, you know, has that own success story or whatever. Um, they all say, you know, the trainers are all saying, like, you know, you have to be consistent with it. You can go if you go really hard, you're going to burn out. And then you're going to be back. So if you lose 20 pounds, you burn out and you can put it on 30 pounds. Right. Right. So then you're back to square one plus 10. All right. And then you just have to be consistent. Just trust the system. So now I'm doing this program. This guy named Ben Corliss has created. It's a weightlifting program. And um, he's been on the podcast twice. And he just said he doesn't do cardio. His cardio is his sweat he put the work he puts in, into lifting his weights. And today after my leg day this morning, I can see what he's talking about because my shirt, I just had a t-shirt on. It was pretty wet. It was leg day for us, for me today on the program. And I'm like, Holy fuck. Like I don't sweat like that unless I'm on the elliptical or something. Sure. Right? right. And I was just like, damn. And it was just, no okay, way. Maybe. And you know, my, how long did you work out? I was on my program, uh, I think it was 55 minutes today. And just it was just straight, you know, I, I warmed up for a second, you know, like stretching a little bit. And then uh, the first the first leg exercise was um, deadlift, I think. Yeah, deadlift. And so, you know, I did that. So it, it breaks it down into four exercises, uh, three exercises per, for, per, for a group times four sets. So you're doing deadlifts times six, um, something uh, squats times six, and then say uh, calf raises on the leg press times six, right? You'll do all three of those before taking a break. And then after all three of those, you take a two minute break and then you start your second set. And then same. So you're, you're moving. Yeah, you're moving. So the, the whole time I was just walking around the gym until my time was up, you know, then I, within like 30 seconds, I would start walking back towards like where my little thing is. That's why I went in the morning because I know how everybody's always on the leg machines and stuff like that. You know, I was like, man, I'm not gonna be able to do it in the afternoon because everybody's always on the squat or, you know, whatever machine, like I'm not gonna be able to do it in the afternoon. And then I didn't want to go after we got done recording because then... I mean, I would have gone, but it would been like fucking, you know, whenever. Right. And, you know, I would, I would have hated that. Yeah. But I do think the going in the morning, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm definitely going to wake up at 3.30, 3.45 on Monday to go. And I'm going to try to get back into that cycle again. Because once I once I get that and then I knock it out and then I don't have to, you know, not saying that's like, it's a burden, but like I just don't have to. That's one less thing I have to do in the afternoon. I can right. come home and chill, you know, like I did today. I came home, I got off at four, came home and chilled and, you know, fell asleep on my bed and took a shower and here we are. And it's okay to fall asleep on your bed if you got up in the morning and worked out. That's right. You yeah. know, because I've done what I was supposed to do for the day. Now I'm just chilling. Yep. So walk us through like what you had to, like what you put yourself through on your program that you created. Um, It, it was I would say I I think I posted I worked out more in the last year that one year mm -hmm. combined than I had my whole entire life and I'd worked out a decent amount of my life but just because of so many hours on that bike I was just so determined you know when I first started off I said 
I'm going to lose two pounds a week. Two years, I'll lose 200 pounds I, You know, as we break all that down. And uh, so I'll get down to you know 199 in two years. And then as it started falling off quickly, I changed my goal. I said, okay, I'm going to do it my birthday, June 11th. And then, well, hey, I got a shot maybe to do it in one year. You know, and I didn't get it. But just like you said, it's it's a huge, it's still a huge win. Uh, yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, because, you know, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 that's fine. And and But it was like. I, I, I hit myself so hard, like on the weekends, I was putting in sometimes I would get on the bike for an hour, get off for an hour, on for an hour, all day long. And, you know, it's not that it was a super, super hard bike, you know, but, I, you know, going at level 10 for one hour on anything, you know, the highest level was on that bike. You know, I, I would just have to watch a TV show the whole hour and, you know, and because it would take occupy my mind. But it was it was intense. I'm glad I did. I learned a lot about myself. You know, I think that you're in times of trouble in times of sometimes I don't know if to use the word, maybe desperation, you know, when with yourself, when you're so sick of yourself, you know, and, and what you've done. And I, I'm sure you've probably gone through, you look at yourself like, God, oh, why did I do this again? That's exactly what I told him. I was like, fuck, yeah, here we go again. Yeah, and, you know? and, and so, you know, there were times when, at 10, 11 o'clock at night that I knew, I was, oh God, you got to go, you know, I just said one more round, come on, you got it. And I would do it and not wanting to do it that late at night, but I would do it just because I was like, you know, I held myself accountable yeah. to doing it, but it, it, it was intense. So what were you eating like for your diet? I was not eating breakfast. I was drinking a couple big cups of coffee in the morning. Uh, lunch, I would usually, uh, have grilled chicken, you know, salads, you know, and, and then dinner, I would eat a big meal. Um, you know, I would say, I, you know, I ate anything but fried foods. I mean, I had hamburgers, I had hot dogs, I had tuna, um, chicken, um, I would get, you know, salads from like Zaxby's sometimes, you know, um, sushi, Japanese food. Yeah. Um, but I would not eating late at night. I wasn't eating any junk food at all. Um, you know, I would have protein bars every once in a while, you know, just to for the sweet craving. Um, but I would drink the gallon of water um, before I drank any. And then I would drink those flavored waters you get like at Kroger afterwards. Like, you know, the black cherry and the strawberry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those things. The sparkly know. ice? Yeah, I think those yeah. things. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, but it wasn't, I, I wasn't, super hungry and i think a lot of that was because of the cardio and the water too especially like you said it keeps it so it keeps you full yeah because like i I put like um little kool-aid squirts in my water Mm -hmm. you know zero calories zero everything you know just like a little flavor to the water i'm I'm gonna try i'm gonna tomorrow i'm gonna not put anything in there and i'm gonna see if if i can still drink it as good you know as efficiently as i've been drinking it you know I bet it's, I bet it's going to suck, but I'll probably get used to the normal taste of water. You again, will. You know, because, like, you know, I can sit here and drink this, like, water like this on my glass right here a couple of times a day, you know, or whatever, like, on the weekends. But, like, I don't know, just, I guess it's like a mind trick. Just, okay, this is just, this is the same thing that's in there. That's just died. Right. Right. So. I never drank water. I mean, but when he said to do it, I said, I think the only time I drank water was to take medicine. Mm. And. To go to not drinking to doing that was tough, but I guarantee you that I probably lost 50 or 60 pounds more because of that, that water, you know, over that year. 
<clears throat> so you went from 403 to one to 212. Right. That's what, 190? About right at one, about 190. In one year. Yeah. That's fucking good. Thank you. I mean, yeah. and, you know, and, and when I put that picture up, I was like, you know, I'd taken, you know, because we do that, you know, like you did yeah, the other the, day. I saw mm-hmm. you, you take the pictures of yourself before and, and during and, and after. When I put that, I was looking at my pictures before and I took a few with the shirt off and then a few with the shirt on. And I was looking at the ones with the shirt on. And I was like, you know, you're really, you are a real fat. F, yeah. But you can't really tell as much unless you do show that picture with the shirt off. And I said, I know this is going to take some, you know, as we say in, in uh, the Jewish Yiddish word is chutzpah. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, guts. Oh, balls. guts. Okay, balls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, uh, I just decided, you know, the heck with it. You know, you're not there anymore. It's not like you look like that anymore. Just yeah. show the picture with your shirt off from the side. Mm-hmm. You know, show your big breast and your big stomach and. And your big head and your big face and your big neck and, you know, no neck and uh, and just do it. And I uh, decided, you know, that's where people can really tell the difference. And, you know, as we both, we do it for ourselves. But like I said, you know, when you're spreading good messages like, you know, you guys and everything, you're you're in your mind, you're thinking there's some people out there that need to see this, mm-hmm. that need to see that it can be done. You know, I'm sure you got messages. I did, yeah. Yeah, and I did too. And, you know, from people saying, God, you've inspired me to work out or do this. And, you know, they maybe didn't need to lose as much weight as you or I, but they still, you know, it was important to them, you know, to take off that 50 pounds. And, you know, posting that stuff on social media like you did and, you know, like I have, you know, it it's for us, like you said, but then it's you also without knowing, like you just said, there's people that gonna that see that and they send you a DM or you know whatever and get in touch with you or text you. Man, that's really fucking impressive. How did you how did you do that? Like you know, like I need to start working out. Can you help me? And like, you're sure, of course, you know, yeah. And then you just talk to them, you know, and then right. boom. And I hated when people did that. I hated to try to sound like an expert because I'm like God. God knows I'm not an expert. I've been 400 pounds three times in 10 years. But, you know, um, I would just say the first thing I would tell you to do is to drink water. Mm-hmm. That would always be the first thing. If you can't do the whole gallon, start off slow and work yourself up, you know, just as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, I would suggest a trainer, but some people obviously can't afford that. And I understand that. And um, but, it, you know, just movement. You know, my lower back when I was 403 pounds was killing me, you know, and I wasn't moving. I think I would get up just to let the dogs out and stuff like that. And then just about a month into it, even though I was still really big, my lower back stopped hurting because I was moving. Yeah, That movement is just so important. It's like, you know, at my job, I have to, I'm on my iPad like this looking down, you know, and sometimes I have to, you know, I put it in front of me when my back starts hurting when I was bigger. Like, and then finally I just started doing this because it hurts so bad. Like, until like the fifth hour of work, I'm like, fuck, what is that causing that pain? And I'm like, you know what? It's by my fucking big ass belly pushing forward and my back having to do this and arch, you know, so that's, and I was like, fuck, man. I almost quit my job at, at Miller because of that. Oh, wow. Because like it hurt so much. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to know. And then like 2020, March, you know, I just started walking. And next thing you know, because I did the military diet for that 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 weekend before, mm-hmm. 
and I ended up losing like nine pounds. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I could take this and see what I can do with this and then see what, because, you know, I used to be, you know, I got all the way down to, to 185 back in 20, 2010. And then I went back all the way up and then I went past what I originally was to three, three fifty five or three sixty something like that. And, you know, then I got all the way down to 200, not 199 again. And now I'm at like, like 244. But, you know, I don't want to keep on going up and down, up and down. I just need to eat better, stay maybe three or f- So, like, on, on the program that Brent created, you it's four days on that you work out. And so I work out Monday, Tuesday, off Wednesday, work out Thursday, Friday, off Saturday and Sunday. But, you know, I still got to keep my diet, you know, sure. clean and stuff, you know. But, like... That's, that's, I think, the, the formula. You know, you don't have to go hardcore seven days a week or six days a week and then do a little walking or whatever on Sunday, you know, active rest or whatever, which is important, you know, because, like, I think also at my job, I walk about five miles usually a day just from, like, walking around and into the accounts and to from the account. Like, so that also helps, you know, when I'm actually, like, taking, taking care of my body, giving it what it needs and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the up and down is, it's a miserable way to live. I mean, you know, I've done it too, you know, and, and, and you, um, every time you gain, just like you said, you gain more every time. Yeah. And there's no way that I could sustain the, you know, two to three hours of cardio every day for the rest of my life. I mean, that's just not sustainable. So like people would ask me, do you plan on doing this forever? I'm like, there's no way. I you mean, just want to get low. Yeah. And then, and then just maybe an hour of cardio, five, six days a week, you know, is what my mindset is. So is that what you're doing right now? I, I just started back up again because, you know, the COVID. Oh, kicked, that's right. You had COVID. It that's kicked right. me. And then and then for a couple of weeks, it was still, you know, the lingering effects from it. So like when I had COVID back November 2020, like I was at, like I couldn't do shit. And uh I had a quarantine in my bedroom. So then when I finally was able to come out of my room, you know, I got my positive, I mean, my negative test results and stuff. Like when I remember first time sitting there recording episode with somebody, I, I like keep on doing this. Cause I've been laying down or, you know, laying on my side the whole fucking like two weeks. Right. Like it took me a while to like get strong like this again. So I could sit like this. I was like, damn man. Like, and then I was tired for like the next three weeks. Cause That's my boss, how, yeah. my boss was like, man, are you okay? I was like, I'm just really tired. Like, I'm just really fucking tired. I don't know why. I think it's because of the COVID, but I don't know, you know? And he's like, well, yeah, I can help you do this. You know, you go go do the rest of your route. I'll take you, I'll finish this, this part of the route or this stop. And like, that helped because I had to go to like the, because when I first was coming back to work, I was like, hey, talk to the big boss. I was like, I might need to have some help, you know? And he was like, oh, no problem. We'll get you some help because I'm, I'm super weak and tired. I don't know. Yeah, I experienced, and that's what it was hard to get in because I was like, uh, I, I want to get on the bike, but I just was so exhausted from it. And, and I got it. And then I was worried, like, I called my vet and I'm like, can I give COVID to my dogs? Because, you know, they're three little dogs. They're always up in my face. She goes, well, technically you can, but I haven't seen any COVID dogs. And she goes, just try to wear a mask around them. So I was wearing a mask around my dogs and in the house. And, and then I gave it to my mom, and that's what really scared me, you know, because oh, she's 80. Yeah. And, you know, we both got on um, ivermectin and flu mox something, and um, it knocked most of the serious stuff out in, like, about four days. Okay. 
Yeah, so we were lucky, and it, um, and it was the Omicron, so it wasn't as the serious. Is that what President uh, Trump took? I th- I don't know if he, I know that Rogan took it. Okay. Yeah, I remember like they gave President Trump something. I think it was the the thing with the eye. That's what the, they give sheep or something like that, right? Like, no, they had said something. I think that Joe Rogan had said that people were trying to say that it's like horse steroids mm, or something like yeah. that. But it's been around for a long time. I, I want to say that Trump took something else. Um, one that they say now isn't as good, and I'm not positive about that. I don't want to be held to that, but you know, but you know, I mean, do we really know? That's what I was gonna say. Like, it's it's such a new disease that you know that we were just kind of like I think like all the researchers that were all trying around the world were trying to figure out what is causing like people's symptoms and stuff like that. You know, St. Jude, where my brother works, they've done so much work on it. Like, they got recognized by like the president. Oh, wow. They got, like, letters from, like, you know, the CDC, uh, Surgeon General, I guess it was right. Yeah, Surgeon General. And, like, uh, their department got a letter. They got acknowledged some, like, uh, magazine that people like that read, I guess. I don't know what it's called. But uh, they're in there. You know, it has, says his name and stuff. I was like, that's, that's really cool. cool. I was like, that's cool yeah. shit. That's my that's, brother. That's really cool. And then there's me, right, Tony? Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think we're going to have to listen, you know. We're, COVID's going to be here. I mean, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. I, I saw online that now they're talking about the monkey flu or something. Uh, did I you see that? Monkey pox. I yeah, monkey like, pox. You know, I saw that yesterday. I was like, what? What? Come on. I was like, what in the world is this now? I know. And like researchers in Africa baffled that America, not Americans, but people are getting it. Like, it's like a, like a, like obviously it's been around for a long time. Though. But like, it's like a monkey, like obviously like a, a monkeys only get it, right? Like some, or animals only get it or. No, I mean, most diseases come from animals, though, that we get. I mean, like bird flu. Oh, right? yeah. Flu, I mean, transmissible. So, yeah, that's the new one. Yeah. And then a couple months later, it'll be another yeah, one. But yeah, it's always going to be something. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we say, you know, we can't live in fear, but we have to respect it because we we honestly don't know what it is, though, right? It's been, what, two years or yeah. two and a half years? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was watching... um making Kelly podcast, she was interviewing Tony Robbins and this was about five months ago. And he said that the number one reason why people are dying from COVID is people that are obese. Mm -hmm. So obviously we were lucky, you know, that we weren't where we were when we got it. You know, I think I would have had it really, really bad if I didn't start working out that year in March. Absolutely. And, and I thank God I was like, God, imagine if I'd still been 400 pounds when I got COVID. I mean, with my breathing and, and all that, I would, it would have spent, who knows? Uh, and he said the second reason why people were dying, he goes, believe it or not, he goes, it's fear and anxiety. And I was like, how? He said, just they, you turn on the television and all you see is COVID, 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 and people are getting scared and they're getting sick. You don't realize that you can get sick from just, you know, fear and, and things like that. And then you're, you're overly doing things. And then, you know, think about all the the hand sanitizer and toilet paper that was, you know, you couldn't yeah. even find it mm. at first, you know, because people were like freaking out about it. And now, you know, it's gone from that to now there's no baby formula. And I mean, it's just like, you know, it's anyway. It's just Yeah, they're bringing a bunch of baby formula in from somewhere from overseas. Thank goodness. Yeah, like. So one of the plants that was closed that makes a lot of the formula is a reopening. I, I don't know why it was closed, but I just saw it was reopening. So that they make like all the, all the Infamil and, you know, all those things you see on the baby aisle, like on the, the really expensive shit. And another thing, why is that stuff not free? 
Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good point. Now I understand yeah. it, you know these, these companies make it to make money, but like why? Why it's like tampons for for women? Like why is it? Why are these things not free for people? Like you would think, like if, yeah, you have a newborn, you're however month supply you need of the, or you know you just go here get it every month you get your supplies. Right. Like why is that not a thing? Like why is that not free? Because I I. You know, I know that there are people that get like that kind of stuff for free and sure. you know, less fortunate people, but like, I think it should be free for everybody, you know, because it's just, a, it's a human need. The babies need that because a lot of moms can't produce milk or even if they can't produce it, sometimes it's not help. Sometimes it's not, it doesn't have enough protein or whatever the baby needs, right? It doesn't have everything good in there. Right. So they have, they can't pump like this stuff should be free. Yeah. And that's expensive stuff. It adds up. I remember we used to get something uh, Similac or something like that from my nephew when he was first born for like the first two years. And this was back in 2004 he was born, so two, all the way to 2006. And I remember the case of it was like this big. I think there's like 12 or 14 bottles in there. I think it was like $44, and that was then. Imagine, oh what, imagine what that same case of the, the 12, 12 pack or 14 pack is now. It's probably over $100 plus. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, how do you expect people to pay for all this stuff? I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, you know, the most people, probably the majority of people can't afford that. I mean, that's, an, you know, that's why I guess so many people are hesitant about having more children today because they're like, yeah, there's obviously very expensive. I have a friend right now who um, he's uh, his girlfriend after turned 39 today. And I said, so uh, actually, sorry, they're engaged. And I won't say his name, um, but I said, are y'all going to have kids? He goes, well, we've <laughs> talked about it. I said, well, her window's getting really short here. She's 39 now today. He goes, yeah, and everything. He goes, she made the point like, you know, I'm not sure that we, you know, and he does okay and she does okay. He goes, she said, I'm not sure we can afford it in today's world. You know, it's expensive. And so I was like, yeah, especially for a guy who's, you know, close to 50, uh, and she's, you know, 39 and everything. I said, you'll be uh, hitting the close to the 70 mark by the time your little one graduates from high school. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's just like, dude, like, and in the next 18 years, that kid's going to be alive. If this thing, how expensive it was for our parents and then these parents right now. And then, you know, they're going through a different like generation thing, I guess, you know, if they have a kid, you know, being 68 or 70 almost, you know, right. Like. I don't know, man. Like, I think there should be a lot more stuff that's free for people. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think he was telling me, Alec, he said, I think he said Alec Baldwin just had another kid and Alec Baldwin's like 67. I'm yeah. Thinking, he's got like, what, eight kids? Yeah. Like, that's what he I said. Mean, he has like, like seven or eight kids. I was like, wow. Yeah. I can't imagine that. I mean, it's enough. You know, my dogs, I, you know, in my mind, they're human, you know, and yeah. how I treat them. But I was like, I have enough trouble keeping up with the three of them. I can't imagine having, you know, seven or eight children. Yeah. But that's something that we need to work on. We need to figure out a way to get baby formula or that Similac stuff for, for free for people. Yeah, we could do that with the, the charity. Work on it. I will. You all have a charity? Yeah. Um, so long time, like five years ago, or has it been six years maybe? Something like that. Tony was watching this video of this man cutting hair for homeless people on his day off on Sundays. And Tony was like, that's so fucking cool. I wish people would do that. And to, oh, he had an epiphany. He goes, well, why can't I do that? You know, not per se just the haircutting, but like, and next thing you know, he's like, 
brainstorming, comes up with a name. You know, it's called Sunday's Finest. Um, and we fed the Big Hampton community uh, twice. And then we did that is so great. Food, uh, can, can drives, clothing drives. We still we still collect uh, clothing to this day. Um, I'm I'm actually going to hit up my friend Donish tomorrow because he told me to call, call him. When I called him, he said like, can't talk or whatever. Um, he is on the board at MIFA, and you know they have one of the biggest food kit, uh, food pantries that people go to in Memphis and. I wanted to see how maybe I, we could like, you know, like you just said earlier, we know so many people, we can have like a little drop off, right? We can have like a little box at, you know, wherever and, or like they can drop off here if they want or whatever and just collect a bunch of canned goods. I think we do that for like a month straight. I think we'd probably collect a lot of, a lot of cans, man. You know, and, and that makes me feel so good to hear that. I mean, y'all were doing something really positive, not just the, the podcast, but you're doing something positive for people in the community and, and, you know, a friend of mine years ago told me, and I know we've heard it from so many people over the, but it's so true, giving back. You know, when I look back on my time, it, you know, I had sleep disease for six years. The, it wasn't selling mattresses. It was the trucks that we had for hurricane victims. Yeah. You know, taken down to Texas or Louisiana or Florida or, you know, or working, trying to help the police and firemen get their pensions and benefits back. Those things there mean more to me than, than anything, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping people out. You know, there's some people that needed mattresses that, you know, I would donate to, you know, you're not doing it for, you know, I didn't even post anything about it. Cause it's not about that. It's like, you know, I'm doing it, you know, because these people need it and they don't have any money. And someone reaches out to me and says, Hey, this person's, you know, de- these people are sleeping on the floor. And I'm just like, you know, giving back it just makes you feel so good helping other people. It's just the best thing that you can do, whether it's something little or something big, but you never know the impact you're going to have on that, that family. I mean, I remember one woman called and left a message on the store voicemail and one of my salespeople had gotten uh, the call and she said, can I call back and leave a message when Michael let hear it? And she said, yeah, I'll make sure I send it to him because it was, you know, an iPhone at the store. Oh, okay. Yeah. And she called back and she left this long mess. She goes, I've never met you and you don't know me. And I remember it was this woman works security and my brother-in-law works for running pony. And um, she works security in his building, but her family didn't have mattresses at all. And she left telling how much, I mean, she didn't know she was getting it. I mean, and she was just so happy and elated and so thankful. And she says, you did this and you don't even know me. And and it's like what you guys are doing for all those families in Binghampton and what you're doing. I mean, you're helping people. And that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, we just got um, 5013C from the government. Um, Great. I think that came through like a month ago I got the letter. Like I actually almost threw the letter away because, you know, like I was expecting looking for something in the mail that said, um, like DC on the address or something like that, you know, like from them, but this mm-hmm. was from Texas for some reason. It just had like Sunday's finest and thing of the receiver, you know, like in, in it had our address and stuff right here. And I was like, well, let me just open this. I, you know, this, you know, we, we get like junk mail a lot sure. for, for that stuff, you know? And I was like, I opened it and it was the letter. So I sent a picture of it to the guy that this lawyer I had to hire to get me, help me on with rocket, rocket lawyer. Because he's like, hey man, I think you got a bunch of more forms you gotta do that you didn't do. I was like, okay, well, can I just send you a, can I just send you a picture or something really fast? He's like, yeah, sure. And I sent it to him. He's like, oh well, shit, 
I guess you did do all the forms. You, you guys have been approved. You're actually you're you've recognized by the federal government as a tax exempt charity. That's awesome. And I was like, oh shit, really? He's like, yeah, that, that's what exactly what the paper says. And I was like, awesome, man. And then you know, there's, there's all these different things you have to. So like, you'll get an I'll get I'll get an email or something like that. But like now, everything is pretty much done. Now all I <clears throat> excuse me. Now all I have to do or we have to do is uh, set up a bank account. That way, um, it's not coming to my like uh, GoFundMe. Enough GoFundMe is not coming to my bank or whatever, you know, or like it's going straight to there. Right. But I want to find out when we go there tomorrow what are the fees and stuff because I want to find the best bank that caters to uh, small nonprofits. Because I know when I talked to the lady at first in Tennessee, she was like, it's like nine ninety nine a month or something like that. They charge or whatever, even nonprofits and stuff like that. But I was like, that doesn't sound right. Because I, I mean, there's gotta be something that's free that y'all offer. Yeah. You know? And you know, and she was like, well, you know, um, just wait till the end of fall. Remember last year she told me that. And then I, I was like, okay, well, just wait. Well, she's like, just wait till you get your official, all your paperwork in line and then come back up here. And on, on, and I was like, okay. And, so I'm going to take, we're going to go take all that stuff tomorrow and see what we can do. But I don't want to just jump into one and then there might be something better, you know, like, so I'm going to, I'm going to make a post uh, at, when we get done today about it on Facebook and seeing if maybe somebody we know, know somebody, sure. you know, that can get us the best deal or is it my, or is it just best to keep on sending it to my, like, you know, like on the GoFundMe, we like create something and like. Or Venmo, you know, I'd rather do Venmo for the thing because that way they're not, no one's making any money off of it. It's the, if they donate, donate a dollar, the whole dollar is going to the people that need it. Not oh, just, not okay. just like whatever GoFundMe uh, charges, you know, I forget what it was. I think it's like, if it's a hundred dollars, they keep like 4%. So you're getting $96 or whatever. Like it was a dollar a percent or something like that. But you know, they have to make money, right? I mean, sure. that, you know, they're, they're, but think about before they were around how did you globally accept money for refugees in ukraine and stuff you know you'd have to go through like a church or something like that and then you you know we know how those are you right. kind of kind of like oh i don't know about that you know but yeah you didn't know if the money was getting to the right people yeah because you know you remember like when we watched like the little kids the videos of little kids in africa and stuff like that when we were growing up like and then your parents were like call and like you know make a donation and then when you get older and older you're like how much of that money did, did my parents, like to the $20 they donated that month, how much did that those kids in that village or, you know, actually get? Because you got to think these big companies, these big charities have all these employees that have to pay and a CEO and, you know, board and all that stuff. So, like, if they're giving a dollar, those people, those kids in Africa probably saw 40 cents. Maybe, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like, because yeah. you have to pay, you have to pay people to take care of the people, right? Like, yep. you know, everything... Everything has a price. So, like, I'm just trying to find, figure out a way where we can just, you know, I know it's going to be harder the bigger we get. But, like, so the dollar, it stays a dollar right now. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm not here for the money, you know, or anything like that. And neither is Tony or neither is our friend Mark or neither is Nick or anybody like that. Because we just want this way, say, I can send it, I can send an email to corporate international paper. Blah, blah, blah. You know, this is Raul with Sunday's Finest. You know, I knew you guys are really big into giving, uh, you know, for the, in the city. And I was wondering, you know, if you guys would maybe give me some time to come talk to you guys in person. 
or, you know, then set it up. And then, you know, we are 5013 seed. So here's a receipt. Thank you for your donation. Right. And that was the big thing that we couldn't get before. Cause one of my friends that, that works for Coke, it's high up at Coke and Pepsi. He, uh, so the guy at Pepsi told me if I had the tax exempt, you could give me stuff. But when I, when I try to, when I try to go up to Pepsi, the other, I mean, to Frito-Lay the other day, he's not there anymore. But he's got to be somewhere around because right. he's so high up at Frito-Lay unless they moved him somewhere, like to another city to help there or something for right now with the labor shortage and stuff. But my mom is the one that she used to be our sales rep at my mom's store. Okay. So that's how, you know, he started from like being like a, you know, just regular guy coming in there, like cleaning, like wiping the shelves with the Frito-Lay shelves and shit like that. And, you know, now he's like the biggest there is in Mem- or in the Mid-South, their territory or whatever. Yeah, you think he probably got a promotion. Or, That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Like, he's probably over, like, a bunch of states now because, you know, they probably had to work really hard during the pandemic when they were having a lot of shortages. And, you know, people in that position were working, right? right. They, 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 I don't think they had the opportunity to not to work. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. But yeah, that's that's the next thing with Sunday's Finest. Like I want to get it rolling and you know, we're there. But I also don't want to the bank, you know, to take all these fees. You know, I, there's got to be something. I know there's something out there. Oh yeah, I'm sure in, 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 probably and just me guessing maybe a smaller bank. Yeah, so something like local like something like maybe like not First Tennessee Bank, but like they might be great. I don't know. I'm not, I didn't mean to say it right. like the name like that, but like, what's the link one right there on uh, Poplar and Yates? It's like Bank Tennessee or something like that. Yes. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Like maybe, Tennessee, maybe something right like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, like maybe something like that, you know, like that just has like one or two branches, not like, you know, the first Tennessee just got bought. So, yeah. you know, their stuff, is probably, yeah, their, their stuff is going to start going way up. I bet you could do a lot of research. You know, I, I think that's a good idea. Put this post on social media, but then also just research it online. Because maybe things. also like an online, you know, like a you have online banking only, like like some banks, chime or something, something like that. They yeah. might have something set up too. Yeah. So that's what I'm. I'm looking at that, but I am. We are going to go talk to them tomorrow too, just to see what they say. And sure, stuff. might as well. But I don't want to just like, oh yeah, here, here's 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 a couple hundred dollars. Open the bank account, and the next thing you look at the invoice, say the next week, next month, it's. It's one eighty two. Like what happened to the right. what happened to the eighteen dollars? Oh, right. that's your processing fee. That's your handling fee. That's your, this fee. You know, like that's the fee five fun fee. You know, like <laughs> that, that meme I saw. You know, like it's like MLGW bill. You know, you got all these little fees on there. But what what are we paying for? Like, right. It's so well, they know that most people don't look at the details and just are going to pay it. They're just going to you know not look at all the little small charges. And banks are the same way. Credit card companies the same way. Yeah. I did see that one of the big banks, I think it's maybe they got rid of their overdraft fees because they were making so much a year, like billions of dollars in overdraft wow. fees. And I used to be really bad with my money when I was younger. So like I would always get these letters in the mail from First Tennessee, like saying I was overdraft, overdrafted. And each overdraft charge they pushed through was $35. Oh, that, wow. That, so when I went to go deposit my little $300 check... The lady gave me back like eighty eight dollars. You know, I'm like, wait, where's what? What? What the, what the heck? She says, I'm, I'm a I'm a customer here. So it'll be free, right? She's like, yeah, but you had all these overdrafts. So then I had to call my mama, and my mama called her friend that ran that branch, and then she waved them. She's like, I get, she's like Maya, I can do it this time. That's it. And she's like, all right. That sort of sounds familiar when I was 19, 20 years old when at First Tennessee was at Poplar and Kirby Parkway. Mm-hmm. Now it's First Horizon. 
Then I did the same thing with the overdrafts, and I would go in there, and my friend, I won't say her name because I think she might still be with them, um, and she would you know, do it at just this time, but <laughs> yeah. there was a lot, like a lot of this this time. Yeah, but like, I mean, I remember like it was like months at the mall, or you know, so like you'd make this much money, you'd spend it. Then, you know, we were 18, 19 years old at college. And as soon as you walk into your first college class, you see the little wall right there with all the credit card things, right? Remember that? Yeah. Like in, like in the Patterson building, the English building, Memphis State for you. Yeah. Like you, every pamphlet was a $10,000 credit card. All you do is fill it out and then you put it in your mailbox. And then three weeks later, four weeks later, you got a credit card for like $7,000 credit. And they took advantage of us. I mean, they knew stupid college kids are going to get that because we want to go to bars and buy beer and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not saying it was all their fault. There is personal responsibility. But I mean, you dangle $10,000 in front of an 18, 19 year old. Right. Exactly. You know, it's like they said, an 18 year old can't buy it. I forget what the Elon Musk said, something. But it was like, you won't give him a line of credit to start a business, but you'll give him a $20,000 credit card. Right. You know, that's right. The, something like the bank won't give him a line of credit, but they'll give him a $20,000 credit card easily. So when he overdrafts it and only pays the minimum payment for the rest of his life, he's hosed or she's hosed. Right. You know? So yeah. how did you get into business? Into the mattress business? Oh, just in, you said you had a bar before. Yeah, well, like I before. actually started off in college selling Cutco knives. Um, with a company called Vector Marketing. Um, and I did that uh, for a few years and then uh, opened up. And I was a district manager here um, in my early 20s for them. And I used to work hard during the day and then go to 616 and play four or five nights a week. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, wait, is Vector the thing that we used to get like in the mail? Yes. When we were like right out of high school? Yes. Yeah, the letter that. used to get, they trying to recruit people. It was like the, their, their font was like blue. Yeah. Yeah. I yep. remember that. Yep. Blue V. Yep. They, uh, the company is humongous now. I mean, they're, I mean, I, I talked to one of the presidents on, on Facebook a couple of years ago when COVID started and they thought, you know, because it's in-home presentations that COVID was going to kill them, you know, cause obviously people can't go in people's homes during COVID. Yeah. They started doing it over zoom and you know, that way, and they had their biggest summer ever in 2020 mm. and people weren't even holding on to the, you know, cause the handles are unique and, and so you always want to, you know, hand the customer the knife and have them using it. And, you know, with the scissors, you cut a penny in half form and part of the presentation, but they did extremely well. So they figured out, you know, as a lot of businesses have figured out how many people can work from home. Yeah. And then their sales force changed to where there used to be a lot, not a lot as many women selling the knives because I'm sure parents were skeptical about their, you know, daughter, you know, going into someone's home, but doing it on Zoom. You know, they their women's sales force went way up. Uh, so I started with that and then went completely the other way and then went into the bar business uh, on the Highland Strip. Uh, it was first the Oasis and then the library and uh, met a ton of people, had a lot of fun, um, loved live music. Uh, Zach Myers played there when he was 13, um, you know, with Shinedown. Um I had the band Fuel, which was big back in the late 90s. Uh, Edwin McCain, um, you know, uh, Cowboy Mouth, um, you know, so some some fun bands that played there. Uh, and, it, and it's a great business as far as that. But like I said earlier, it's as far as you trying to make money in a cheap beer bar, you're not going to make any money. <laughs> you're probably drinking your profit, right? Yeah. You're probably partying your ass off. Yeah. And all that secondhand smoke, which we talked about mm -hmm. earlier, just, you know, you come home at three or four in the morning and 
I was like, I don't even smoke, but I'm like, oh my gosh. And then you have to take your clothes right immediately when you walk in, put them in the washing machine, go take a shower before you go to bed because you just feel so gross. Um, and that, so I did that for four years. And then um, I got into the mattress business. A friend of mine was selling mattresses out of a storage unit in L.A. And he's like, you know, while you're trying to figure out what you want to do now, you can buy some mattresses from this company. You play some classified ads in the newspaper back, you know, this is back in 2000 when people yeah. were reading newspapers and the classified section was really big. Mm-hmm. And he goes, your phone will ring. I'm like, no way. And I said, wait a second. I think I remember seeing the infomercial that guy Don LaPree used to have on in the 90s, you know, making money. And he had all these placing ads that he goes, yeah, that was one of them. It was, it was mattresses. It was one of the products that he you know, did in there. So I, I did it. And my phone was ringing you know, advertising a queen or king mattress, my phone was ringing 30, 40 times a day. And I would just, I rented a couple of storage units at Storage USA on Mount Moriah when it used to be right next door to the old Hooters. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So it was great in between appointments and stuff. I had <laughs> right there. But I, I would drive over there and people would meet me and follow me back. And I lift up my 10 by 30 storage unit door and I would say, welcome to my showroom. And I'd have like four mattresses on frames up against the wall where people could lay on them and try them out. Then I had several storage units like of inventory and um, it built up so quickly that within six months, I opened up a store at Cherry and American Way mm-hmm. uh, when the mall Memphis was still there in 01 and um, did well and was there for a year and then moved to Perkins and Knight Arnold to a 6,000 square foot store and was there for about three years. And then I bought the old Piggly Wiggly um, giant food building on Winchester at Mendenhall. It's just an abandoned building now. But I bought that building in 2005, and I had Z's Warehouse was the name of it. And um, I did it all by appointment. I, I used to spend a fortune in the classified ads. People would call, set up appointments, come in. Huh. And I did it that way for seven years. And it worked really well until the housing market in 07 tanked mm-hmm. and, you know, in the business. So I had to close in 2008 and then I rebranded in 2010 to sleepy Z's and started over again in the storage unit again over this time in Bartlett and just worked my way back up again. Do what, you, you, what do you think about all like the foam mattresses and stuff now? Um, Memory foam is really good. Um, at first, when it came out, they had so many problems because people were getting hot easily. Mm-hmm. And they've now changed the technology to where they have a lot of cooling gel and stuff in them, and the technology's gotten better. Uh, Tempur-Pedic is a great product, but it's just very expensive. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of companies, like I used to sell Serta at, my, at Sleepy Z's, and Serta would have you know knockoffs of Tempur-Pedic that were way cheaper and just as good. Yeah. Um, we sold a, a brand called M Lily, um, just an, an off name that was similar to Tempur-Pedic, but, you know, probably 80 percent cheaper and did really well with them. Uh, I think that the I was talking about this uh, with a friend of mine that the you know, I think that stores will still do really well, you know, the bigger stores and, and everything. But. Eventually, they, they realized that a lot of it is going online now. I mean, you yeah. see the Casper and the Purple and, and those online, and they do huge numbers online. And people can now just go online and do it. And, and you always, always thought, no, people are going to have to come in and lay on a mattress. That's just not the case anymore. And yeah. it's just like people buying furniture, you know, on the Wayfair and, and those sites now on Overstock.com. And 
um, people d- just seeing it and everything, because a lot of these companies now are offering, you know, 100 days trial on the mattresses. Yeah, because Casper is doing that. Yeah, and they, well, they know t- two things. N- number one, they feel like they're going to like the product. Mm-hmm. But secondly, they know that, it's a we hassle to return it. Exactly. <laughs> Even though it's free yeah. and everything, that people t- we all tend to be sort of lazy sometimes, and people just most people don't do it. It's just like we know we could save money by going in the Sunday paper and getting the coupons, you know, for stuff in the store. And true. And, and, but we just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's I think it's just a human tendency. There are some people obviously that do it and God bless them. I wish I was one of those people. But yeah. most people probably won't return it. But um I think that the um, a big part of the industry by the year 2030 is going to be mattresses mostly online. Mm. So, like, when you when you return a Casper or something like that, do you have to roll it back up? There's like, no way to. So oh, you have to take that big-ass mattress like a UPS or something? They, they supposedly pay for it to be returned. If you want to return it, they'll come and pick it up. So they must have some way oh, okay, or, like or a some company's third party. A third yeah, party yeah. Exactly, that, that come out and do it. But I bet you... If you, you know, they probably wouldn't say what their return percentages are, but I bet they're real small. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have a friend of mine uh, that lives in Denver that they got purple mattresses for the whole family and they said they love them. So, you know, I never talked great about them when I had the store. Yeah. Because you know, I'm trying to sell what I have, you know, and everything. But and I really didn't know much about them. You know, I knew Tempur-Pedic. Uh, because I knew what I had was a good product too, and it was way cheaper. Um, but you know, now that I'm not in that, that business anymore, I would say, you know, from, from people that I know that have those mattresses, uh, they're good. I have a uh, friend of my parents that, um, I have a really good friend I went to high school with at Ridgeway. That's a manager at great American home store in South Haven. And, um, so I was like, you know, I'm not in the business anymore and I, I don't need to, you know, I'm not sending him business for him to throw me a kickback. I'm sending it because he's someone I know, but I'm taking one of my parents' friends down there on Monday because um, they need mattresses for them and their guest rooms and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, we'll probably be here a few hours because, you know, it, it takes a while, you know, to really find the right mattress for yourself. I remember I, t- I took my mom to what's the one that's like on Poplar. It looks like a front like there's never you never see anybody in them mattress, mattress firm. firm yeah yeah like you never see anybody in them right yeah they're they're all over you never see anybody in them but damn they're everywhere they are so and I took they my mom to the one on sixty four next to the McDonald's you know yeah across from the mall yeah we went to that one she didn't like anyone's anyone's there I was like oh well there's a one on Poplar we went to that one I was like mom you know they're probably gonna have the same stuff and she's like oh no they'll probably have different stuff we went to that one no nothing. And we went back to the one on 64. And when we went the second time, she's like, oh, let me try this one again. And then just to, I guess, just to make her happy or, you know, just to get it, the salesman to sell something. Like, well, we can give this to you for half off. If, if you like this one, don't even worry about the price. It'll be half off whatever's on that tag. And, you know, if you like it, we'll deliver for free even. Wow. And she was like, I think I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so all of a sudden, like, just, you know. There's a big, big markup, Um, you know, not all stores, but some of the big stores, you know, you can go marked up as, you know, over double, sometimes even three times what the cost is on some of them. Um, So they're able to do that. And it's like I used to tell people all the time, people would say, why don't you all ever have sales? I like because we're always cheaper. Mm. I don't need to have a sale because, you know, what most stores do when they have a sale, they mark the price up before they mark it down. So you think you're getting a better deal than you're getting. 
Uh, so, you know, they'll raise the MSRP. It was never $4,500 MSRP. Yeah. You know, they'll say that and then they'll say, oh, it's half off is 2700 Well, it's probably 3200 MSRP. It's like what they do during the Super Bowl. Like, I mean, before the Super Bowl, they'll do the, with the TVs, like Best Buy. Or, well, I was going to say Circuit City, but like, you know, everywhere will mark their TVs up or, you know, and then I'll put it on the ad in the Sunday paper. Well, come and get it. Look at the look at the markup. Now look at what it is now, and you know yeah. people go buy it. You know, it's like they crazy. do. It's 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 psychology. A lot of that's the psychology of selling, and and so we we just would never do that. You know, we would always you know I would always try to give the best price, and I think a big part of um, why you know I say overall had success with Sleepy's. You, know, you know, we did we won best mattress store four years in a row with a commercial appeal from the nice. Memphis Most. And that was great, you know, and to beat out Mattress Firm and, and those people like that. And it was about branding. The best thing that I ever did was someone told me, you need to advertise on sports radio. And so I started off on Sports 56 and I went on, um, I was on Dable Lotion Show and Greg Gaston and um, one other one in the afternoon, um, um, Fish, Rob Fisher. I was on their shows and I got some started getting people coming in for it. And then all of a sudden someone says, why don't you try ESPN radio? So I went on Chris Vernon show, you know, I didn't know that I started advertising on Vernon and him and Roser would, you know, you know, John Roser would do the uh, little skit and they sort of would make fun of it. Sleepy, you know, like, you know, cause it's sort of like, (laughs) it's a corny, goofy name, you know, but it was catchy. And then I started on uh, Gary Parrish and Eric Hasseltine's show. And then all of a sudden it took off and then ESPN radio, I had an amazing sales rep, uh, Christy Evans is her name. And, but I would say that that right there transformed the business because my whole thing was about brand, you know, the branding yeah. is that, you know, like you guys are with the podcast, you know, I know that I see the name everywhere, you know, on, on Facebook now because you, you do a good job of promoting it. And the more people see your name and hear your name, they, I wanted people to become synonymous with they thought of mattresses, they thought of sleepy Z's. Yeah. And, you know, even people that I hadn't seen, I remember I was coming out of the rendezvous one night about six years ago, and um, a lawyer friend of mine I grew up with named Mitch Moskovitz said, ah, he goes, he's a Zeke, you know, because that's what all my friends called me when I was younger. He goes, you're famous. I hear you on the radio every day. And, and it was sort of funny. I'm like, no. I, was, I just said, it, you know, it's great. But one thing that was important to me, was that every one of those guys that said how great the store was, I said to the salespeople, the stations, they have to have my product. Mm. They have come in here, you know, I'll barter, you know, get them a mattress and everything. But I want them to, when they say, you know, the product, how great it is, the mattresses, I want them to mean it. I don't want them, you know, like something on television. Right. So I want them to mean it. And so. Like they would do, you know, Jason and John on ESPN radio. And, and I think Eric Hasseltine and Gary uh, probably did the best. I mean, they would just, you know, go on and on. And it was just, um, it really helped out a lot. It got her name out there. What's the shelf life of a mattress? Uh, on average, I would say most of them, you know, a good mattress would last seven to 10 years. Um, now, most people mm. keep them 15, 20. They don't want to know what's in that mattress. So what about the mattresses that are blue and like have the wood bottom? Like how old do you think those are? 
You mean like the like Serta, the you know, like the Sertas, like the really longevity ones, like the ones that can last like 25 years? No, there's no mattress that lasts 25. No, years. no, that they say some of them used to have 20, 25 year warranties, but that's just a gimmick for selling them. And what if like the mattresses like caving in, like in that time to like get yes. a new mattress? Yeah, now, so see, they used to, most mattresses used to be two-sided, so you could flip them end-to-end and flip them over. Mm-hmm. Now, most of them, the big companies only make one-sided, so you can only flip them end-to-end. And you really should do it every about three to four months because um, that way it levels each other out. Um, you know, and But most people don't do that. And you know, mattresses get all sorts of dust mites, and it's pretty gross, yeah. I yeah. mean, if you really knew, you don't want to know. And so, like— for a long time, we when we delivered, we wouldn't take away mattresses because, you know, my my delivery guys were like, you should see some of these. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mike, why don't you come and get this one? Yeah, we're going like, to leave it on the porch for you. Like stains and, and yeah. stuff. They were just like, oh. But, you know, we, we did it for usually some older people and stuff. They would help them. Yeah, because I would imagine if you have like an old mattress, like that's you spend most of your time sleeping. Yeah, yeah so like you want to have like a good quality mattress, and you don't want it to be caved in, and you know, thirty so years old. Would you get back into the mattress game? You know, I actually had my um, one of my guys that worked with me for eighteen years. His name is Keith McKnight. He started working with me in two thousand and two until two thousand nineteen, seventeen years. And he asked me last weekend, and I said, honestly, Keith, I don't think in this case third time would be a charm. Mm-hmm. I think that it, I, honestly, I'm I'm sort of burned out from the overall day to day of the mattress business of doing it. Um, you know, not that I wouldn't do something with that. Um, you know, I have a couple ideas. You know, that I'm thinking of. You know, for for a few other things. But as far as having a store, I wouldn't want to do it again. I loved, like I said, the people part of it, just like the bar. The people part of it yeah. was fun. But, you know, everything else was, you know, lots of headaches. And, you know, the, you know, a lot of times I would say to my salespeople, you guys only see all the money coming in. You don't, you don't, see, you don't see all the expenses of what's going out. And there's yeah. a lot of expenses. And I spent a lot of money on advertising to get that business. Well, it's like, you know how you can buy like uh, Boost Mobile, like a franchise of Boost Mobile yeah. and like the other ones like um, – I don't know if you can buy T-Mobile, but like, you know, like the, the, the smaller ones, you know, you can buy a little franchise and put them next to a gas station or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're making money, but man, I'm going to tell you right now, your landlord, all he sees is what's coming in. He sees all that foot traffic. He doesn't care how much you have to pay for the naming rights to be a franchisee, how much you have to keep inventory, how much you have to keep, you know, oh, state-of-the-art yeah. security because, you know, someone rips your door off and steals all your phones and stuff, even though they might not be good at anything there's still all the headache right so like, it, it's a, it's a lot and, and not that i didn't ask for it because i put myself in that position but you know we were in it it winchester uh not at winchester um but at witten in summer and it was a freestanding building it was seven thousand square feet it used to be an advanced auto parts and they were open. They had the building built for them in 2006, and they had a 15-year lease with the guy that owned the building. Mm. And they were only open for four years before they closed. So they were having to pay the note on that building every month. For mm. And so they decided – I kept looking at the building. I would drive by there because my warehouse where I sold them out of was right next to the old Range USA, which is now um, 
Ben Ferguson has a barbecue place out there now. It's on Old Witten across from Hadley's. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so there's a little, some little warehouses there. I would, once again, I moved from the storage units to the warehouse and I would still meet people by appointment then. And, but I would drive by that space all the time. It was just an empty building. I kept saying, oh man, if I could get in that spot, that's just, you know, I just, I was, you know, thinking big and I just said, that would be great. And so, I got a real estate agent and he reached out to the guy that owned the building. He researched him. Some guy in San Francisco owns it. And the guy said, man, I'm getting a check every month from advanced auto parts. I don't, it's for till 2021. I'm not, I don't care about leasing that space out. I have an ironclad you know, deal with them. So I said to him, let's reach out to advanced auto parts and see what they say. Cause they might have a sublease thing in there. And he did. And they did. And they treated me like crap because, you know, being just a nobody. And, and, but they finally agreed to it. They said, you know, what do we got to lose? If the guy's willing to take the space as is, he just wants a big open box, you know, yeah. not having to build anything. So they took a chance on it. And so I subleased from Advanced Auto Parts, but I was paying half of what their note was. And I was paying a lot for half. So oh, in, wow. in, I, my lease it would have ended in 2021 if I'd stayed open that long, but I would have never been able to renew it with this guy. It's the building's still empty. Someone told me, and it's been almost three years. July will be three years. And I'm like, it's because no one wants to pay 12 or $13,000 a month in rent for that wow. building. Um, and I would have never been able to afford that, you know, in that building. Yeah. So I would have had to move. If I'd still been open, I would have had to move somewhere else. But, you know, location is huge. Yeah. And that location, I'm like, I don't think I could have found another location like that. Well, it's like, you know, these guys that own these landlords that or these companies that own all these properties everywhere, like all over Memphis and stuff like that. They rather just keep it empty and wait for like a big box store to, Hey, we want to get two of your warehouses on off pleasant view road. Okay. Which one, which two you want? I got seven bays, right? You pick, but we're going to give you a 10 year deal. And you have there's no cutting out of it. There's no early clause. There's no buyout contra clause. Okay, yeah, whatever. You know they just keep it as like a storage for like their main store, like on say on Covenant Pike or something, right? Right. But like those people can't afford stuff like that, right? Not like a mom and pop, like you know, not a small business owner, like yeah, you you know, like I can't believe that bi- that building though, because it it is a really good building and it's, and it's on a, like I said, it's a great corner. It's very visible when you come to that corner. Um, he was trying to sell it too. And I can't believe no one's bought it. I mean, he must be asking too much for it. You know, if no one's bought it by now, um, like I said, the, the location was great. It was easy to find, you know, just five minutes off the highway there at Witten and 40. Uh, so it was easy to tell people how to get there, which, you know, those little things are important. And this was before cell phones were really big, right? Did you say 2012 is when you got it? No, uh, I got, well, I got it in 2013. Oh, okay. yeah. I got it in 2013 and had it, from 2013, July of 2013 to July of 2019. Yeah. Man. So what are you going to do this time not to put your weight back on? Because I'm just going to do like the eat decently, work out decent. You know, that's what I'm, I'm going to try that mindset this time. I, I think that I'm going to have to do the same thing as I really, you know, I did not have this super plan when I got done. I, I honestly, even though I said, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to sustain the, you know, several hours a day, you know, for many different reasons that I figured out I'm going to still have to do, you know, at least an hour of cardio a day. Uh, and I'm going to always have to watch what I eat. Um, 
someone told me to, uh, that take one cheat night. You know, I had oh, one yeah. attorney tell me take one cheat night. Don't do a whole cheat day because you know if you do a whole cheat day and Man, shit, you'll, right. be, you'll you'll lose your whole. Me, I'll definitely lose my yeah. whole week's progress. Right, you lose because you you literally. I mean, for us, we, you probably like me. You probably could gain five pounds in a day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what it I mean. If, if yeah. you ate a lot of you know a whole pizza, like I would get a Garibaldi's barbecue pizza or or something like that, or go down to the rendezvous or. And you can just, you know, no pun intended, pig out and you can gain all that weight. Just, you know, you yeah. could have lost five pounds and then you gain it all back in one day. Easily. Because it just sits on your stomach. Your body's like probably saying, what the heck are you doing to me? Mm-hmm. You know, you're working out hard and then you're going to do this. But I was like, you know, you know, one she night a week, you know, and not going way overboard. Um, but I know that I'm always going to have to watch what I eat. I'm never going to be able to go back to the you know, comfort food binge eating that I did for so long. It just doesn't work. It's not going to work. Yeah, because like somebody asked me, they were, ta- you know, they were asking me like, well, what are you going to do? I was like, well, I'm just going to have to listen to what these people are saying on the podcast that we've had multiple guests yep. saying that you're going to have to take your time this time. And if you rush into it, when you do get, if you do rush into it and you get back to where you want, then you're going to be back to where you wanted, where you were, but you're more than likely going to put it right back on. Yeah. This way, it's like a little, a little bit longer, which will get there. And I'm I'm trying, the, the whole thing with the program that I'm doing with Ben's program is the muscle part. Right. You know, that's because I, mean, I could be, if I could be 225 and just have more muscle, I'll look, I think I will look different. You know what I'm saying? Right. Then looking 200 pounds or 199 and still not taking my shirt off because I'm not going to do it. Right. Right. This way, if I look, say 220, whatever, and I got more muscle, even though I know muscle takes a long time to build, right? You got to eat a lot of protein and shit. But like, I, my body will probably look different this go around. So, you know, my, so that's why. Larry said that to me. He, he'd be like, you know, we can get you down to, you know, around 200. He goes, but I want to build you back up to around 220 because I yeah. want to get some muscle on you. And that's what his, you know, plan is. So I, I think I haven't seen him in a few months. I, I plan on getting back with him. Um, and um, I need to start drinking the water consistently again. I haven't been drinking. You know, now it's I'll drink it, but I won't. I'm not committed to drinking a whole gallon a day. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I know that it, it's easy to fall off that wagon. You know, especially when you've yo-yoed for, you know, 20 plus years. Yeah. Mindset is everything. It is. Yeah, I mean, you got to find out, like, what's the reason why, like, you get to that point and then why you get to the point where you want to get rid of it. And then why do you get to the point where you're ready to quit again? It's kind of like he said, like, why do you get to the point where you say, fuck it, after you put all that hard work? Right. Because, you know, it's it, it takes a lot, you know, it does. It, you know, and I know people do understand that, but some people don't They're like, you know. You know, they just, oh, you just got to diet. You'll be fine, you know. But they don't, you know, it's a lot, you know. Like, it is. It's a mentally. lot. On your, mentally, it's a lot. On your, uh, mentally and, you know, it's a lot on your system, your body. Because, like, you know, you're going through these shocks repeatedly. And, you know, the older we get, the harder it's going to come off. Right. right. Take to come off, you know. so And it does take an emotional toll on you. I mean, you think you go through all these different emotions as you're, you know, doing it and everything. And there will be times that I would, you know, just be like, you know. I know you're doing this, but, you know, what's your, you know, end result going to be? Are you going to stick to it once you get done? Because you know you can lose the weight, but it, it's keeping it off. And most 
I, like I said, there's a lot of diets that work. You know, it's funny when I see one of those diets on TV, guaranteed you lose five oh, pounds yeah. your first week. I'm thinking everybody's going to lose five pounds their first week. Not everybody, but most people will because of your water weight. You know, uh, you know, the first week I did this, I think I lost 13 pounds. And I was like, okay, I know I'm not going to do that every week. And then it was like two to four pounds a week after that on average. But, you know, of course you're going to lose that. They can guarantee that because they know if someone's doing that and then they switch, you know, bad and then they switch the opposite and doing good with, you know, the water weight's going to come off that way. But most of those diets are just not designed to work long term. No, it's like, you know, everybody and their mama is selling some kind of what is it called Avedo care. Avita care or whatever, like the little powders and stuff, you yeah. know, the, the stuff that's in those, all those nutrient shop drinks and stuff like that, you know, right. like those, those flavor drinks. Like I see so many people selling that, you know, and yeah, they look great. But once they, you know, that's because I think the thing is you take one scoop of it with water in for breakfast, one scoop of it for lunch. Now, is that not just saying that you're not eating enough? That's why you're losing the weight. Do you know I, what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I know. It's kind of like, but how? But you know that just like I said, you can't sustain that long term. No, I mean you're not going to do that long term. And so they know, okay, you might lose the weight, but there are some people obviously that will keep it off. You know, we know that. But I would, if I had to guess, I would bet eighty percent of the people probably gain the weight back. If I just had to just throw a number out there, and that's just a guess that most people are going to gain their weight back. Um, that. You know, they don't know, like us, once you stop doing that, you don't know what to do. Yeah. You're like, okay, now what? You know, I can't go back to where I was and I don't want to do what I just did because that took so much out of me and, and everything. And I think the the key is, and, and to quote uh, Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid, is finding balance. You know, like you said, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking about that, you know, you know, it, and when you find balance in life, you know, that if you're all, you know, for a year I was way up here. Yeah. And there were many times before that, over the few years of so the blood clots and the clothes on the shore, I was way down here, you know, depression, suicidal. Um, you know, there were, but yeah, you know, I think I even posted that online. I, I know I did, you know, like I said, there were points where I had, you know, a bottle of pills sitting next to me because I was just thinking, and then I looked around at my dogs and I'm like thinking, I can't do this to them. I can't do this to my mom. Yeah. You know, I would put her in the grave and, you know, I can't do this to my dad's memory. Um, so I was either way up here or way down here that we all have to try to find that balance, mm-hmm. the right in the middle. Um, and that's one of the hardest things. And I have a really good mindfulness coach that I've used over the years named Greg Graber, who's, uh, I think he's a principal at Lausanne uh, Middle or, or Junior School. He's one of them, but he also is mindfulness. He worked when Josh Pastner was at Memphis. He worked with them. He worked with uh, Will Wade at, when he was at LSU, and he's worked with several of the coaches in different sports. And he would, you know, talk about, you know, meditation um, and just clearing your mind and forgiving yourself for mistakes you've made. Um, and... um you know, even I have a psychologist that I that I see that the same thing. He talks about that. He says, you know, you d- quit beating yourself up for the mistakes you made on, you know, and the food and other mistakes you've made just because, you know, it doesn't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it just keeps you down yeah. and it just makes you go into wanting that comfort food again. He goes, yeah. but, but us finding that balance in our life and trying to find that median is where we need to be because, you know, getting too high or too low is never good. 
Yeah, I told him, I was like, you might not need to see like a therapist to figure out why you go up and down. Because like I said, you can obviously lose the weight, but there's something that is like a mental block that you don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. It's a repetitive cycle and it's not a good repetitive cycle. No, it's not. Yeah. It's no fun. I mean, it's just you like, you know, when I was in, you know, 54, about to go into 56 pants. Yeah. And then you have to get a seatbelt extension, you know, and I had a big, you know, I have it right now. I'm not driving it right now because the gas, but, you know, a, a Hummer. And I had a seatbelt extension mm. and I was thinking, and my seat, my stomach was still up against the steering wheel. And I'm thinking, this is just a mis- and hard to get in and out of the car and, and, and the stuff. It's just right. I, I, I started seeing, I've seen a psychologist on and off for years. Cause it's, I think it's always good to talk to, you know, one of my psychologists years ago said people that go see somebody that think that they need help are stronger than people that don't mm-hmm. because you're like, realize, Hey, look, you know, I need some help yeah. and some guidance and everything. So it's, it's good. It's not a bad thing. And so I, I, I definitely say that to people and thank God that I saw this guy cause he really helped me get through the last few years. You know, most of it was on zoom, you know, you know, for the last few years during COVID, but still it was, you know, it's something that helped me and it got my mind to where I think I was able to get out of my own way. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where, like, especially with men, it's considered weak to seek help or talk about your feelings. And it's just so ridiculous. It's it so is. antiquated bullshit. So, like, to be able to be like, like you said, to go seek help, that's the strongest thing you can possibly do. Yes. You know, like, we all need help some shape or form, either it's mental or physical. And yeah. to be able to reach out to somebody and say, hey, these are the things I'm struggling with or try to find out why you're struggling with these problems. You know, like that's what they're doing for a living. So obviously, you know, there's some method to that madness. Yeah. And you it's know? even like with the with the training, like you, you know, you're you using you know, uh, the guy now and I use uh, Larry. And before that, for years, I trained um uh, with Dean Lotz. Dean Lotz was the strength coach for Memphis State football team from 83 to 93. And then he opened up his own gym. And and I met, I mean, he trained a lot of professionals like Penny Hardaway, Lorenzen Wright, Isaac Bruce, oh, wow. Mike McKenzie, Billy Richmond. I mean, lots of people went through there and, and trained with him. And like, I got to see Isaac Bruce's Super Bowl ring, you know, which was really oh, that's cool. cool. You know, I never became great friends with any of those people because, you know, you always felt like, you know, I don't want to bother them, you know. Yeah. And they were, but then no one was me. But Dean and then his son, Bo, took over. And um, Dean passed in 04 and um, Bo took over and Bo ended up moving to Atlanta when Lorenzen got traded from the Grizzlies or he signed with the Hawks. And he was Lorenzen's personal trainer um, when he was killed. Yeah. And um, so, but I, I trained with them and they were great trainers and great people. But it was, you know, when I went there and it's sort of like even with, with LT, not only are you training, it's sort of like a psychology session in itself because you're talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and, 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 you you know, cause you're talking about, you know, losing weight and your life and things you want to do. And, you know, you just feel so much better, you know, f- being in physical, good physical condition gives you confidence and you're actually exactly right. Tony talking to people, you know, so many people say, yeah, it's, it's frowned upon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, oh, I don't want to tell anybody, man, I don't care. People know. I, I know it helps. Yeah. And I'm I'm not afraid to share that with people. Man, thank goodness that I there are people out there that are willing to help and, um, and, and get you through situations because, you know, 
people that think they can do it alone, some can, you know, but there's so many people that, you know, need that encouragement and that help. It's just like, yeah, I worked out with LT just twice a week for 30 minutes. And most of the stuff I did was on my own, but those two times a week for 30 minutes made a huge difference. Yeah. You know, being around someone that knows that, you know, training and people in there and just, you know, it, you know, like I said, if I'd never gone to him, I would have never started the water thing and True. I wouldn't have lost as much weight. Yeah. So it, it but yeah, if I, I could say one thing to people, if you think that you need help, if you think you need an ear, at least try it. You know, I have a really good friend who's a U.S. attorney in California, and he, he went through a bad divorce, four kids, um, and, and he's in the worst state to be in when it comes to divorce, being in California, you know, having to give money to your. But his ex turned the kids against him, oh, man. which is the worst. Yeah. I'm like thinking you might not get along with, you know, your spouse, but, you know, that's your father, or your mother. And he says, I've never said one bad word about her. And so he started, I kept telling him, go see somebody. And he has now been consistently doing so much better. He realized, you know, I got to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't wait around to see if my kids are going to come back around again and everything. I got to take care of me. Yeah. Because we're all we got. And we, you know, you know, we got one shot at this. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, it's... You know, life goes by so fast. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's hard to believe because, you know, he grew up here and, when we talk about it, I'm like, can you believe that it's been 30 years since we were hanging out at Club 616? 30 years. Wow. I mean, I reached out to David the Worm. I'm like, it's unbelievable. It's like, you know, hanging out at 616 was 30 years ago. Well, I remember <clears throat> I found this mix of uh, DJ Tiesto's uh, Urban Train, and I sent it to on Messenger to Worm, and then we started talking, and, you know, we were just bullshitting, and he was like, I was like, Warren, you know that was almost, I think that's 20 years ago that we did that at one five Club 152. And he was yep. like, oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. I reached out to Wilbur. I said, do you realize that you, you know, honestly, you probably ran two, two of the most successful clubs ever in the history of Memphis between 616 and 152? Well, I think before they had 616, they had Red Square. Yep. See, I was I, I was too young for that, and and like before, yeah, that was right that was yeah. right when I was about to start, and know? then like before that, I forget what the name of the they had in cahoots, yeah, and the one on uh, Shelby Drive, uh, not Shelby Drive, but sick, um, it's over there by where Wellworks used to be, yeah, uh, neon no, neon moon neon moon, yeah, yeah that was in know? the mid nineties, yeah, so they had that red red square, they had six, night moves night moves six one six. Yeah. You know, they've had Wilbur has had his hand in every successful club that's yes, come to Memphis, has. I think. And, and, and you know what? He has been, I think, at the very beginning, I met Wilbur through Oliver. Yeah. And that's how I met Wilbur. And then Wilbur was always nice to me. I, I don't think I ever paid to get in. Not to say I'm anybody, but just Wilbur always, you know, I didn't have to wait in line. He was always just nice. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and just so accommodating. You know, it just, uh, you know, and funny. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if you he's hung got, out with him, you know yeah, that he's got some good stories and stuff. Just you sitting there listening to him talk, he's like, "Man, you remember?" And like, "Yes, sir." <laughs> you know, we laugh. We all start laughing and stuff. You know. So but, how how important is uh, positivity to you? Oh man, it it's I would say it's the most important thing um, to keep your head straight. 
Um, you know, we, we, unfortunately, we know we live in such a negative world. I think as great as the internet is, um, there's 50% positive and 50% negative. I think that when social media came in, you know, really came in, I guess, with MySpace in 04, 05, and then Facebook sort of took over in the Twitter world. I don't think that people knew what was going to happen like it is now. Yeah. Like, I, I think now it's gotten to the point to where it's probably two-thirds negative. I mean, people mm-hmm. are losing jobs and people losing their livelihoods over stupid stuff that they say. Mm-hmm. I mean, and stuff, you know, like I always said, there should be a button on there that says right before you post it, are you sure you want to post this? Yeah. And there should be like a 30-second da- countdown <laughs> yeah. clock sitting right there, yeah. you know, because – you might be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't post that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like my friend had posted something when the Morgan Wellis thing happened, right? And she was like, you know, it's not, it's not that big of a deal because, like, you know, it, those are his. That's his friend, and this, and one of my friends saw that, sc- screenshotted from his phone, sent her a message saying, if you don't delete this comment of yours, I'm gonna send it to HR, and I already know where you work. Wow. So she sends me it because I guess she went through like my, like, you know, cause, and she was like, do you know this guy? And I was like, yeah. She was like, what's up? She's like, well, I, you know, I said this about the Morgan Wells situation and I just said, I don't think it's like not outright saying the N word to him, like, you know, in a derogatory way. And he's taking it. And I was like, well, shit, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, what do you, what am I, what do you, what, what can I help you with? And she was like, can you tell him not to send it to my boss or HR? And I was like, hey, man, do you mind? You know, I don't know what's going on. But she said this. She's like, oh, it's too late. I already sent it. I gave her I gave her till the certain time. Oh, my if she God. didn't do it. I was sending it. And he sent it. So a couple of days later, she got a, like a message or a call from HR. And she explained herself and this and that. And she was like, they, you know, everything got dropped. But like, yeah, it's serious, man. Like, you know, like. Look what's happening with, uh, was it Joey Solopec? Right now, yeah. on Fox thirteen. The thing he said about the about Draymond and, yeah, and, and, and Anderson. The, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, you know, like it's like you can say what you want and do what you want, but your employer may not support what you say or do. Right. Yeah. So. And you know, and so many think about how things get misconstrued over text messages all the time. Like we've become obviously a tech society. You know, and I grew up. You know, there wasn't text messaging. We talked on the telephone. You know, you yeah. had to ask people out over the phone and in, in that way. And, you know, in the 80s and 90s. And but now it's become like this normal that we do it or instant message or something is it's, quote, more convenient. But so many things get misconstrued. So if you think about getting misconstrued over text and then you equate that to Twitter and mm-hmm. Facebook and things like that, that people post someone like I. In my heart, I don't think that Joey was being racist when he posted that. But now, do I know him? No. But do I think that someone would do that in his position with his job and everything and take a risk like that? You'd be crazy to do that. So I I don't think he did. But there's people out there that looked at that, that have a different mindset, that think that is racist. Mm -hmm. And you can't say that. You can't say that if you're just a regular person, but you certainly can't say that if you're a guy who's on TV every day. Yeah. And not that I don't, you know, support, I don't think you should lose his job from it at all. You know, I mean, you apologize to anybody you offended and everything and, and it gets deleted and, and you move on. I don't think someone should lose their job unless it's just horrible hate speech. Yeah. Something well, to that effect. Well, Damon Green is like, 
saying he he doesn't accept his apology. And well, he's did. a jerk. Yeah, so it's like I was like, come on, man, this, this guy's a lonely. He's a local weatherman. Like you right. holding a garage against somebody, right? Like, you're, you're trying you know, to destroy like, this guy's life. Uh, yeah, over some bullshit, like you know, but. So I mean, it's, it's prerogative though. He can choose to accept. It. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, of course. And you know, like you said, there should be a thirty-second countdown. There should be. Joey, do you really want to send this tweet? Right. You know, and I know that Elon Musk said something about he would have maybe an, an edit button and everything, but that's still not the same. I think there should be like you know, even if it's like a ten-second countdown. Like, are you sure you want to send this? Well, I so, know even on Facebook, like if you'll like say something in a comment, they pop up and say. Do you really want to say what you're about to say? Oh, do they? Yeah. Well, okay. I, was, I was calling somebody, like one of my friends, I was reading a comment on a friend's picture or something like, oh, look at you, dumbass, or or something like that. And like it, it highlighted, that, like, I can't remember exactly what it did, but it said that, no, you can't say this. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to leave a comment then because I don't know what else to say. Yeah, right. You know, like, I was they like, wouldn't let you say dumbass. It was, yeah, it was, I was it's considered bullying. Yeah. So, oh, like, you yeah. know, so I guess they have like bully filters now and stuff or, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine what, I mean, you know, like I said, growing up as a kid these days and having that extra pressure on you. I mean, we had enough as teenagers, you know, in the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. you know, as kids. You know, but now with the extra pressure of social media and having to impress people and now with doing Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok and stuff. And I mean, you know, I, I jokingly say we become a world full narcissist. Mm. It's you know? true. I mean, I mean, posting stuff online is to get likes and get attention. So, yeah. You know, and you see some people, all they do is just post these selfies of them all day long. And I'm like, God, I mean, yeah. OK, you're beautiful. How many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, it's also like for some of them, like on the Instagram girls and stuff, like the models and stuff like that, or quote unquote models, you know, influences, mm-hmm. they're making some good money. Oh, are you they? You know, like, I mean, some of like, you know, you have to have a big following. Sure. Like the, like the lady or chick with like 2,000 followers, she's not going to make what the girl with a million followers is making, right? By pumping out that content nonstop, wearing that workout uh, legging or whatever, right? Because that's, you're getting paid by that company because of your viewership. Right. Right. And your one post in that legging has 30,000 likes. Maybe three people bought a legging. So, you know, that it works for, for the company. Right. Like, right. I don't know. Yeah. Who would have thought that would have ever happened that social media and, and everything like that would turn into money making, you know, for people? I'm sure I don't know if Facebook or MySpace even thought that was going to happen yeah. at some point. And then you, now you have like uh, PewDiePie, which is like a video game guy. He's a streamer on YouTube, and then you have Ninja, and like there's, there's all these other guys as streamers. They have an energy drink called G Fuel, which is, uh, it's got like 300 milligrams of caffeine per 12 ounce or 16 ounce can. Oh my! It's gosh. like I've drank two of those in one day, and I'll never drink another one because probably didn't sleep because I you know like how. We, Remember bull knocks back in the day, the yeah. workout mix? Yes. You drink a little thing and you mix your, and you, you'd be fucking jittery and you're killing it. Yeah. It was like, it reminded me of that because after I started coming down, I could self, still, I was still jittery for like an hour or two after. But like, back to my point, these, these companies are making this and giving it to these streamers, you know, sponsoring them, million dollar sponsorships and stuff. Wow. I mean, big money. And then you got all these people going out to all these stores and buying it. Like, say, like this, say, like, uh, 
PewDiePie is saying, oh, yeah, if you're in this area, you can get it at this store. They have it now. Dude, that store is going to be sold out within 10 minutes. Wow. You know, it's, it's insane because we can't even. And I know how, how strong that is with the gamers because we can't keep it in stock right now. That's unreal. And we're selling the sh- I mean, they, they, they're getting like truckloads of it to our, to our warehouse. And each truckload has like, say, 2,000 cases throughout the different SKUs. And dude, by if it comes Monday, by Thursday afternoon, Friday morning, it's gone. And who would have thought gamers would be making money like they do online? Man. I heard it's unreal. Well, you know, like the military has like a gaming division to bring new people to the army and stuff like that. I didn't know that. It's crazy. Oh, so they're watching these people? Yeah. And- so like it, it's insane. It's called the the army something. But like, dude, it's nuts. Like you're in the armed services playing games like yeah that's what your that's what your job like so you have a sniper in the army or marines or whatever they are from then you have a gamer in the army like it's insane speaking of games and like talking about army and stuff made me just uh, for some reason think of the new top gun movie coming out next week with the maverick i was like i was telling oliver i said i bet in the you know since it's coming out memorial day weekend i said i bet it does over 200 million the well, first four days. I read something today on Vanity Fair that said that Paramount is taking a huge risk by even doing the movie because that movie was released such a long time ago. That fan base is in their close to their mid forties or in their fifties now. Yep. And how do they know they're going to go to the movie theater and spend thirteen dollars per ticket plus you know concessions and stuff? And they said that especially with COVID. Yeah, you know, and they so Tom Cruise was like, I will not release this movie on streaming. I don't care how much money HBO Max tries to give me. My movies are going to theater. When the theater one is over, then we can bid right. Whoever can bid like, you know, Netflix or whoever wants to stop bidding on the movies for their streaming service. He said he was he was because they they like they apparently they gave him like they offered him like big money to send it to streaming. Because it keeps on getting delayed after delay after delay. I think it's like the third time of delay, and now it's finally releasing, you know? Yeah, because like, they announced it in 2018. Yeah. And so, like, he's like, no, this is going to be a huge hit. I know it is. I don't, I don't want to go that path with my movies because I guess he has full control or something like that, even though he's not yeah. the director, you know, because he's the biggest sure. star. You know, he's a big star. He's like, no, I don't want that. I'm not, you know, but. Hard to believe that guy's 59. I know. I saw him. It was a little clip. Some guy was interviewing him. He went up to him like he was behind him. He was in a suit. And he actually, this guy had to be 6'3", 6'4". And he actually jumped all the way over him and like spread his legs and went over him and didn't even touch him and like landed. And it was like, he goes, can you believe this guy's 59? And and he was like, it was nothing. I was like, he must be in incredible shape. Yeah, because like everyone thinks he's a vampire and, you know, for the longest time, they thought Brad Pitt was too right, right. along with there with him, you know, right. and Leonardo. But like, it's crazy. Who, people, who thinks that? You're speaking that like it's gospel. <laughs> no, I'm saying like <laughs> Have you ever people, heard that before. I've heard about Brad Pitt. Yeah, and Tom Cruise. I haven't like, heard about so, Tom. They were in a movie interview. No, with a I, I know, but I'm saying they look so young still. Yeah, they do. Or, and Tom Cruise. Yeah, he has some wrinkles, but he still he looks mid 40s. I mean, come on, man. Like you know this. I'm not going to just go along with whatever you say. It's not bullshit, though. It's facts. It's true. I don't know. I've never heard that before. Well, me and 
our guests have. So <laughs> he didn't agree with the Tom Cruise. One. I haven't heard the Cruise, but I heard the Brad. And that's Pitt. the one you're going off of. I'm going to have to send you both the link. Okay, I'm going to find it. I'll believe you. Right. You gonna write a blog? <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I'm gonna go blogging. So what? What? Let's let's. What what do you want to see get better in Memphis over let's say like next let's say like let's say twenty years or ten years, whatever? Well, I, I think um you know, try not to go to sports like I was talking to somebody, I was like, you know, we hear all the one of the reasons why I stopped watching the media is because the media's negative. Mm-hmm. And it's a fear and you know, like we talked about that, but negative Media, and I'm talking about the national media. I think there's a lot of great local media people that try to do positive things. Um, but the national media being negative and, you know, they try to divide us. I think that their their goal in keeping us watching them is to, to try to divide people, you know, whatever it is. Um, and go, if you're watching television, and, you know, I watched a lot of Grizzly games this year, and you look in the crowd. Diverse, completely diverse crowd, mm-hmm. you know, people of all different races and color, you know, and you know, religions and, and everything. And everybody's having fun and everyone's getting along. There's no anti-Semitism. There's no racism. There's no, I don't like you because of this or that or the other. There's no talking Democrat or Republican. There's no talking Biden or Trump or Hillary. None of that stuff. Mm-hmm. People are there. Everyone's having fun and getting along and and it just shows that I think for the most there's always going to be racism, never going to stop. There's always going to be anti-Semitism. You know, I've heard it. You know, being Jewish, I've heard it my whole life. You know, not a ton, but I've heard it. You know, and people make. Well, I remember someone saying to my store once, "You know, come on, I'm just trying to Jew you down." Mm. And I thought to myself, "Well, this person is not." You know, they probably in their mind don't know that that's offensive. Yeah. They probably heard it somewhere yeah. and everything. They don't know that's offensive. And I would jokingly say, "Well, you can't Jew down a Jew." <laughs> and then the sh- look on their face, like, "Oh." <laughs> and oh, I, I said, "No, I know." I said, "It's just you heard that somewhere." And so I, you know, and I, I just look past it and everything. But all all that's always going to be there. It's never going to go away. And so, and the media is going to continue to do what they do because they get ratings from it. But we have a choice on how we react to things mm-hmm. and how we respond. I think Zig Ziglar used to say, you shouldn't react. You actually should respond rather than react. Um, but I think is it, we have a choice of whether or not we're going to get along with people. You know, when, like I said, if you look at that game and, and you see all the people having fun and high-fiving and hugging and all that, that's how, in my thought process, I wish – that's how life could be most of the time. Mm. Yeah. You know, that people would just get past. Because I remember going out to Mulligans and 616 and stuff like that. No one ever discussed politics in Never. the 90s and 2000s when I had those pool parties and stuff. That, you know, in the 2000s, no one ever talked about any of that stuff. People were there to drink, to swim, to eat, to hang out, to listen to music, just to have fun. Mm-hmm. And Social media has changed all that. I, I really think that's the big thing that's changed all that because everything is in everyone's face now. You know, I, I think that, you know, I, I look at somebody like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was asked back in the 90s, you know, or 80s and 90s, why don't you, you know, endorse political opponent? And I remember he saying Republicans buy sneakers, too. Mm-hmm. 
you know, why should I do that when I don't want to isolate half my audience? Yeah. And um, I still think he's the GOAT. Um, you know, as great as LeBron and Kobe, and I love Kobe, um, are, and I know I got off on hinge there, but Jordan played in a much harder era where, you know, you were hand checked and people had hands all over him and he had to go through traffic and he was getting, you know, nailed all the time going to the basket where now a hand check, you get touched. It's a foul almost. So anyway, just a different subject there, but I just, people getting along and, 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 and trying to do, and that's what, you know, we talked about, I mean, all the, the stuff that y'all doing with the positive stuff that you guys have on and with your charity and, you know, what I'm uh, hopefully going to be able to do with my new podcast and, you know, bringing good messages to people, you know, like I said, there's enough negative out there. We're going to get that no matter what, it doesn't matter what anyone does. It's, it's always going to be there. But, um, like I said, if we could just, you know, impact a few people here and there, uh, and make a difference. That, that's important. Yeah, all it does is take as one, you know, just one person, you know, like uh, to brighten their day or to encourage them. And you never know if they're going to take that or run with it and pass the baton to somebody else. You know, it's right. truly a butterfly effect. So, yeah, uh, anything that's positive or brings like goodness to the world is what we need, yeah. especially right now. And yeah. so like, what is your, what exactly is your end goal with your podcast? Um, you know, I, I honestly, I don't know if I, I don't think I have an end goal yet. I, I think that my, my, if I had to say my main goal and my main thought was to try to, you know, have people, you know, like I said, positive thinking people, people that have been successful, mm-hmm. people that have, you know, survivors, maybe, you know, having some cancer survivors yeah. on the talk oh, of their, wow, their yeah. story. You know, I've, I've reached out to a few of those people um, and, and, and asked them if they would come on. And they said, yes, you know, and I just thought having people on um, that have gone through things mm-hmm. that not everybody have gone through, you know, whether it's good or bad and yeah. how they overcame it and how they got through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, successful people, like I have a few business owners that are going to come on that, you know, have been successful in businesses or maybe in the restaurant business and, you know, talk about their success yeah, and how they did it. And, you know, the, you know, some of them did it themselves. Some of them were lucky enough to have, you know, family that started it and they were able yeah. to take it to another level. Um, I just think good messages. Yeah. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people, not just people in Memphis, because the beauty of podcasting is you can reach somebody across the world, you know? And that's one of the things that when I first started doing, it, I was like, okay, we're going to, our friends are going to listen to it. But then you start seeing like, uh, different parts of the world, like, that's so you know, cool. the country and yeah. then like all over the map, you know? So yeah, I think it's going to be successful, man, especially with your personality and you have a good voice and you Thank know, you. like that's uh I think you're going to do very well. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So like on the map over there, everything that's not gold is the country that's it's, the, not, even it's not even updated. I don't know how what what I need to still do, but like earlier when we first got a new country, Tony would post it and I'd go over the wall over there and scratch it like, you know, with my penny and scratch it off and like but yeah. So where have you not reached so far? So everything that's, well, I don't know, because a lot of it, it shouldn't be gold still. Okay. Wow. Yeah, so it's been like all 50 states. Everybody in the United States has heard it. You know, Canada, Russia, Germany, Belgium, Africa, Brazil. Like that, all this. That is unbelievable. Yeah. So you'll start seeing it when you start doing it, man. Like, it's just, it's just weird how, like, it'll just start spreading like wildfire. But, um... Yeah, that's awesome, man. Like, 
I guess we can try to give people some value, like as far as like, uh, like what questions would you have that somebody might have a question to get the podcast started? You mean like that I have about a podcast yeah. in itself? Um, I guess that, you know, is, are there any things that you think that you have that, I mean, do you, obviously I know with me, you didn't ask, tell me beforehand what we were going to talk about at all. Yeah. And there, and I, that's one thing I thought about. Do you tell people beforehand, you give them questions or anything like that? No, I just, I think me personally, I think it's best just to have a conversation because like I said, I mean, when you try to do like an interview, sometimes it makes people nervous and, you know, like I just think like, like you're just talking, trying to become friends with people. Yeah. You know? So like originally, like I would try to like, you know, I would go to like your Facebook, your Instagram or whatever, and like try to create questions. Like you can see what I wrote on this notepad right here. It's like four or five things. One says pool parties, one says sleepy Z's, you know, one says, you know, just things that I want to touch on sure. you know, because you just part of your Little life, you know, points. just a couple of things like that, you know, but it's not like, and then while we were sitting here, I just got that question pop in my head. What would you like to see Memphis in the future look like? You know, and you told us, you know, and like stuff like that. I'll, just, I'll start typing. That's, that's what you see me doing. That's right. what I'm doing. Because I will forget. I don't have my notepad in front of me. Right. But like, yeah, the scripted thing works for some shows, I guess. I don't know. Like, you know, I'm sure they're like, you know, so here, here's the questions. Because I reached out to this one guy on Instagram and he was like, yeah, I'll come do your podcast. Cool. You know, you guys seem, you seem like. Sure. Cool dude. And he's like, well, just give me the questions you want me to answer so I can have them ready. But in my answers, I was like, oh, no, like we just want you to come on and, you know, we're doing a free flow. We'll just have a conversation. Like I just met you at a bar or something. And we're just talking. And, oh, what's up, man? You want to do a shot? And then, you know, here we are talking, right? And he was like, oh, okay, I'll get back to you. I was like, cool. Well, all right, cool. So, you know, and then I never heard back from the guy. Right. You know, it's just one of those things. Like, and, you know, every, every now and then when I see him post something, I'll go see if he read my message to him and our my new message and the last message says seen but the current most current one doesn't as because i guess he knows what it's you sure know, like right again, like tony said in the very beginning you know some people get nervous you know they don't know what like hey what's going on like you know they are more wanting to just answer questions you know like well, you know. i i hate I hate when he does this, but he'll always be like, so tell me about yourself. And that's <laughs> like the, one of the worst things you can ask somebody. Right. You know, I like, don't do it anymore. Well, I mean, I, I kind of still slip into it sometimes, but I catch myself while it's coming out. So I don't, uh, I'm like, Why? Yeah, you know, like, but, uh, but no, your podcast is really going to be really good. You know, you should get on a guest. Who? You should get Amber Sam on the podcast, your podcast. I didn't think about that. You know, she had that, the renewed the role, yeah. Renew. I didn't even think about bringing her on here until like you know, and then yeah. you're friends with her. Shit, you can yeah. have that one. You can okay. have that one. <laughs> Not just kidding, man. No, well, but for know, real, the, I the think good she, thing I, about it is, is that you know, I could have somebody on, and you hear, then that's somebody you can yeah, reach out exactly. to too. Because there's like, always stuff to talk about, you know. Because she has, she has that renew spa, renew wellness, or something like spa, and then she, I think she's doing something. She's working on a formula. Yeah, for, yeah. She's a sharp girl. Yeah, yeah she is, and you know. Every time I have a question about Arlington, I always text her, go, hey, what the fuck are they building at the corner of so-and-so and so-and-so? And she's like, let me ask Brian, you know, and yeah. she's like, because, you know, he's like, he's well, yeah, he's, yeah, well, he's, he's well like connected. up there, yeah, yeah, you know, up there. Yeah. On, he's on a there. nice guy. Yeah, really nice dude. Yeah. And he's like, oh, they're building a gas. I was like, fuck, man, I thought you said no more gas stations. Well, no, this is the last one for like the next five or seven years. I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah, they, right there at Airline Road in 70, 
you know, where that McDonald's is there. Mm-hmm. There's so much property there. Like I, in my mind, I envision five years from now, there's going to be a super Walmart and there's going to be so many things out there. So the, so Walmart tried to come to Arlington about three years ago, but Arlington, they, so they had a floor plan and Arlington's like, well, we'd rather you do it this way. Walmart said, no, oh, we're wow. doing it our way or we're gone. Well, Arlington was like, bye. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know because that. Because there was going to put so much congestion. So, you know, I don't know how long you've been out there. You know where the McDonald's is? Yeah. And then you get the first Tennessee bank. Yeah. There's a Waffle House being built. It's oh, I almost know. ready. Okay. And, uh. We're, we're kind of pumped about that. Right. Me and my buddy Nash, because, you know, we, on Mondays, we always see each other at the Kroger because we I help him sometimes. And, like, it's going to be – and then next to the Walmart – I mean, next to the McDonald's on the left, where you're talking about all that land, there's land yeah. everywhere, right? Right, everywhere. Even next to the liquor store, all yeah. that land in front of the liquor store. Like, eventually, it's going to be something, right? Maybe yeah. five, maybe ten years. But eventually, the people that own that land are definitely going to make mo- oh millions and millions of dollars. They've held now, on to it. Now, what they're probably going to do is they're probably just going to lease the land to them. Right. They're not going to sell. Like you can build twenty-five year lease, right? Fifty year lease. That's smart. You know? Like you know, that's what a, that's what a lot of people did with the Wolf Chase land they owned. So where Costco and all that is, I know for a fact Costco where Costco is and stuff, the land that it sits on is owned by somebody. My mom knew the people, so they leased it wow. to these people. They're you know, sitting pretty. Yeah. Like, you know, they, you know, instead of just selling it this way, their kids will get it when they die. When the kids die, their kids will, you know, like it's going to be money forever, I guess. Now, unless Costco goes, Hey, we're going to buy it. Here's a hundred million. Fuck off. You know, right. they can be like, okay, thank you. You know, right. whatever. Yeah. I'm out in Arlington. My vet's out there. I'm a veterinarian. So I, you know, I go out there to take my dog. So it's, you know, I've had, when I used to live out that way, I was like, I don't want to change vets because she, you know, she knows my yeah. dogs and, you know, I don't want to, they're all 12 years old. So I don't want to change at this point. So I drive the 30 minutes out there. Well, then also then Mason, were they going to build the fort thing where, mm-hmm. where, I mean, where they're already yeah. starting to land, you know, like surveying the land and stuff. That's going to be another big one. Cause you know, that's only 25 minutes from like that Kroger in Arlington. Right. So you go straight up 70. Apparently I didn't know it was that close. I didn't know either. One of my, uh, the liquor store owner, uh, Steven, he told me that, yeah, you just go 20 miles, 25 miles, 30 miles that way. You're in Mason, Tennessee. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, that's where they're building it. I was like, shit. Yeah, this close. Yeah. I was like, man, we go buy some property in there. I know. It was super big. Now imagine if you'd had that Costco property and Costco <laughs> comes up to you and says, yeah, we want to buy this or lease it from me. You're like, oh, okay, I'm done working. Well, remember that little white house that used to be on Germantown Parkway? Yes. You remember yeah, where the church like, used to be. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was yeah, all like broken down. Yeah. yeah like yeah. who owned that? Like, I know. How much did they get for that broken ass house lane? Yeah. You know, like- I, I can picture that now. <laughs> I remember when Germantown was just a two lane street. One going into Germantown. And one there were almost in. no lights. Mm-hmm. So the so the only get, only light was right there at Dexter and Germantown Parkway until you got all the way to Farmington in yep. Germantown. And there was one way in and out, and they were still building country wood. Remember that? Yeah, and you had to, you you had to turn so many different times because mm-hmm. the construction and everything was going on there. Yeah, and then Arbondale was out there, yeah. St. Benedict. Yeah, that was the late 80s and early, even into the early 90s. And then next thing you know, they put the mall and everything built around the mall. Yeah, the mall came up, I think, in 90, it started building the mid 90s because I think it opened in 97, something yeah. like that. So I haven't been in that mall in years. I think I went there not too long ago. I can't remember what I went to go look for. Oh, yeah. Remember those people, the, um, the Asian people that used to do the massages on the chair? You sat on the chair and they just did your back and stuff. Yeah. I want to go find them and see if they were still in there because I was going to sit in the chair. And, you know, I didn't see them though. I used to love to go to malls just to hang out. Yeah. They were fun. Yeah. Just, you know, to kick, kill time. 
And it was fun. I mean, Mall of Memphis and Hickory Ridge Mall in the 90s were just fun. Yeah, just to go hang out, even on it, you know, just to walk around, just people watch. Yeah. Or girl watch. (laughs) (laughs) So what is your uh, mark you want to leave on the world? Um, Oh, wow. This is a toughie. Um, I guess, you know, I I guess I would have to say that I made a difference, Mm. you know. Um, You know, I think that I was very, very lucky and still I'm lucky. My mom's still alive. My dad passed away in 2013. Um, my dad was a podiatrist and for 45 years here in Memphis. And um, my parents were married for 48 years when my dad passed away. And I was really fortunate to have two parents that were that loved me unconditionally through a lot of screw-ups, a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. You know, business, women, whatever it was, yeah. you know, financial, whatever it was. Um, and my dad is my hero, and he was a really, really good man. And I remember asking him once we were walking, and I asked him, why don't you do more surgeries than you do? And my dad said, because I can sleep at night. And I didn't understand what he meant. And he said, you know, there's so many doctors that push people into surgeries today that don't need it because that's where they make money. Oh, you know, wow. I they make know. money. You know, they, they 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 can get away with it because, you know, they could justify it, but they don't need maybe don't need it. Mm-hmm. You know, they, there's other options, but they make money. They don't make money off of, you know, coming in to have your toenails cut or this, that and the other. And he goes, I don't do that. You know, my dad, we were upper middle income. We weren't high income, but we're upper middle income and, you know, never wanted for anything, but also never got everything I wanted. I remember when I was 16, I got a a Plymouth salon that was my grandmother's, then my sister's, then mine, a big, huge car, red, you know, car. And I remember bitching about it. Mm -hmm. My dad says, be lucky you have a car. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't have a car. You have a car. You know, so don't complain. And my dad never drove fancy cars. You know, he always thought a car gets me back and forth to work. He thought I was crazy in 2005 when I bought my Hummer H2, of course, <laughs> which I was. I remember that thing. You had yeah, the thing I big still, I still have it. Yeah. yeah, I still have the Hummer. Yeah, I still have it. It's now 17 years old. Yep. Um, but it's not worth getting rid of now. I mean, you couldn't get anything for it now with 200,000 miles on it. But my what my dad taught me was is that. You know, he was such a good man. I remember when I gave his eulogy, I said, if I could just become half the man that he was, I would be at the level of incredible. So, and I think my dad made a difference because he certainly made a difference in my life. You know, my mom's awesome too. My mom has been there for me unconditionally and still is and everything. And, um, you know, their love and their support got me through so much. But, you know, my dad, you know, as far as the society and as far as his patients loved him. You know, they saw it. They came to see him. He spent time with them. He, you know, a lot of doctors don't have a great bedside manner anymore. You know, they're in and out of you know, the room real yeah. quickly. He spent time with his patients and they loved him because he was genuine. And that's hard to find today. Yeah. It's really hard to find. So, I, you know, I, he made a difference and I wanted to be able to do the same thing. That's awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, we don't want to take too much of your time, but we always end the podcast by asking, what advice would you give to people? Never give up, no matter what. Um, you know, I think a quote 
really, and we're all probably familiar with the Jim Valvano Espy speech from 93 when he had, was fighting, you know, the former coach of North Carolina State, you know, that uh, went through, had cancer and then died of cancer. But he gave that stirring speech and he said, you know, the V Foundation for yeah, Cancer Research says, this now. Yeah. don't give up, don't ever give up. Yeah. Um, and I can, I can, I can say that I know there's people that, have it and have had it far worse than what I was going through a few years ago, mm-hmm. you know, mentally, you know, physically and mentally, you know, to, when you get to the point to where you you're thinking of the option of, you know, I didn't have like a plan, but I mean, I came close enough when you have a pill bottle sitting next to you a couple yeah. of different times, you've gotten to the point where you're, you're seriously thinking about doing something. Um, but if you, if you, Think that you're going to get to that point. Reach out. Mm. There, you will find someone or some group of people that will help you and, and that do care. Yeah, you know, I know that people will say, "Oh, don't do that," and there's the normal things. Oh, I'm here for you, and I know that's something that people just say sometimes. We've all done that, but there are people that say it that do mean it. They say it that mean it, and there's doctors and there's family, and if there's not, there's friends or there's acquaintances. They'll reach out, and just but don't give up because I could have easily given up. I, you know, after I had my blood clots, you know, I had one of them was right up against my heart, and in the hospital there was like, if it goes to your heart, you can have a stroke, you can have a heart attack, it could shoot into your brain. And I remember when I got out of the hospital, you know, I was afraid I was going to die. I was at home. I was afraid to be by myself. And then once I got done with being afraid to die, then I was afraid to start living again. I got so stuck. Mm. I was in quicksand. I was afraid to live. And it was just a slight, every day I would get up, go to the chair, sit in the chair, put the hat down over my head and have the TV on and almost go back to sleep. It just, it was a miserable cycle. But some, I, I, I'm a very spirit. I'm not a very religious person, but I'm very spiritual, and I believe in the spirit world, and I believe that we do cross over to the other side, and that our loved ones are angels and are there for us. And I've had many, many instances of things that have happened. I'm going through it right now, but many things that have happened over nine years since my dad has passed that I know that he has sent me many messages to let me know, hey, my soul, because I think your soul and your energy live forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I'm going on and on here, um, no, you're fine. but I, I, um, I believe that, um, our loved ones are there for us, um, whether it's in this world or in another world. And I believe that my dad and God, um, gave me enough strength to figure out what the heck I was doing and get out, you know, like I said, get out of yeah. my own way where I could start living again. Yeah. And it took me a long time. It took me, you know, two and a half years, you know, until March 29th of last year, you know, as I was just, you know, existing. Mm. I wasn't living. But now I'm living again, and it feels good. That is really beautiful, yeah, man. man. That's, man. And I think that's even more reason why your podcast will be successful is because of that kind of message that you have. Like, you not only that you can, you know, put that out there for other people that might be facing something similar or, or aren't comfortable enough talking about it to other people. Like it'll resonate with somebody, you know, and that that's the thing about like this whole podcasting and the internet, like there is some negative shit out there, but there's a lot of good. And if people can find a friend 
with a voice. Right. Maybe they don't have a friend in their particular area, but they're going to have a voice, which is your voice. And I think that's good, man. And I look forward to listening to it and going on Thank it. You. And, yeah, you know, absolutely. And I want to, uh, and one thing I, you know, said to want to do, like there's a few people that I know that I've, I've talked to, like, you know, we could put a link at the bottom of it. There has to be some way to do that where people can link to go to your podcast too. Oh yeah. 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 Thank you yeah, yeah. to be able to do that. Cause I'm all, like I said, I'm all about promoting the good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's so many people in this world and to hoard information or hoard people because you know, you want to do something and you don't want anybody else to be in your lane is ignorant. To oh, me. absolutely. You know? So like I said, if you have any questions, anything I can do to help you as far as like to get it going. Um, because like I said, I mean, when I first started, I didn't, know anybody that really had one and at first it seemed so daunting at first i was like man what is you know i don't know how to do this shit and then you know once you've been doing it for a while you know it's pretty easy so and you're i mean you you guys have put yourself out there yeah i mean you yeah for three years now and it's it's a great thing i mean and, and then to take the podcast and then to go to the 5013 c you know and to do that too it, it's awesome yeah like I said, there's no point. I always say there's no point of living if you're not doing something good. And there's no point of being the only person like they, I, we got a, somebody had sent uh, an email to me about doing an article about my story or what have you. So I, I did it. And then they were like, you know, what is your goal? And like, my goal is to have people with me be up there with me. Cause there's no point of being on top of you're by yourself. Right. That's a lonely place. It, it is. And, you know, and, and you say that and, and just a thought came to my head as I was I was talking uh, to a friend of mine and I said, um, you know, I, I'm sure when I close Sleepy Z's mm-hmm. that there's probably a lot of people that are like, ha ha. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. you know, yeah. this is the nature of a lot of people like, oh, you failed. You failed. Well, you know, OK, overall, did I fail because I had to close it? Did you know? Was it, OK. Yeah, I'll I'll take that responsibility. But did I have a lot of successes while I was open for six years, which is longer than what the average business is? On? Yeah, sure. Like I said, you know, best mattress store and what we did for the community. So we did a lot of things. But things, you know, things happen and lead you to other things. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to happen the way it happened. Yeah. And because, you know, like I said, my story is not over yet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I have other things I want to share with people like, you know, what you guys are doing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just such great messages. But right. You, you, there's no, you want other people up there with you. And my point in bringing that up about the store was is that we shouldn't be that way. Yeah. We should want people to be successful. Mm-hmm. We should want people to be happy. You know, we should see a relationship online of someone getting engaged and, you know, and be happy for them. Not like, oh, I don't have a girlfriend or I don't have a boy. You know what I mean? You know, it should be that way. It should be happy for other people because, you know, and and not, you know, happy that people fail or break up or a business doesn't make it or something doesn't work out. We should, you know, we should be happy for people that succeed. Yeah. Most people that are miserable people that hate other people have never tried. Right. So there's real no room to hate on somebody if you didn't even take a step in the right direction to do something. It's like they talk about people at the gym. Like if you're critiquing somebody from doing something to better themselves, it's like they're not sitting on the couch. Right. Yeah, true. You know, they always say the people in the cheap seats are the ones booing. Yeah. Hey, that's that's you great. Know? 
That's so. yeah. I mean, I mean, like I said, you guys have put yourself out there. If anybody says, I mean, even if I, if I says negative about it, you'd be like, how could you say that? I mean, what have you, like I said, you know, what have you done? Yeah. You know, have you put yourself out there? You know, I know that I was taking a big risk, like when I put myself out there for the police department and stuff, because I know yeah. that the police sentiment that some people and what, what they think and everything. But I was like, I don't, this is, I strongly believe this. And I remember Mike Williams, you know, who was the head of the Memphis Police Association, who is now a, a good friend of mine, he's a real good man. I think he would have made a great mayor. He said to me, did you not, do you have any relatives or family that were police officers? I said, no. And then I remember he said, why? He, I go, because I strongly believe in it. I mean, you guys leave the house every day mm-hmm. and you leave your family and you don't know if you're coming home. Yeah. Now, I know that's for all of us in general, but I mean, it's riskier. You don't know if you're coming home at night and you're, and you put your lives on the line. And, and like, you know, 99% of police officers, just like 99% of, you know, certain or great people, you know, you're always going to have the 1%, you yeah. know, the Derek Chauvin's and people like that. Yeah. But, you know, I just firmly believed in it. And, you know, I think if you believe in something, you stand up for it. I like it, man. It's been a good conversation. Yeah, man, this has been fun. Thank you guys so much for for having me on, man. man. It's been awesome. Yeah, we'll have to do it again um, once you get rolling. Yeah, y'all have to come on mine, and then, yeah, we can just reciprocate. Yeah, And you said when is it launched? In two, Um, three weeks? Yeah, I, I think my launch date is... Monday the 13th. Okay. And it's every what? Monday and Wednesday. Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we appreciate it, man. Thank you guys so much. All right. We love you lots. Bye. Same here.